Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. Ross, it feels good to still call it the Pioneer Podcast, I gotta say. It feels so good to actually be happy with playing Pioneer again. Oh yeah, We've done Same. it on Versus Live, although I gotta say, our numbers, at least for the live show, have not been good doing Pioneer. So this is sort of what I was worried about when they just, you know, dra- Wizards dragged their feet in making changes to the format and let it get as bad as it did. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a while to rebuild that confidence in the format. Right now, I think it's great. I I think the format is really good. And I got to say this, you know, we didn't talk about this. We didn't get a chance to talk about this because our show could have gone for six hours of Todd last week. Like, let's be real. Right. Um, I want to know what made them change their minds in those couple weeks, you know, those few days, like in between the we think the format's healthy. We think y'all are wrong. We think the format's healthy. There's like no tournaments happening. And then all of a sudden they're like, ban these billion, you know, ban all these cards. And you're just like, what what happened? I think my theory is that they literally just hadn't looked at Pioneer in quite a while and were like, well, yeah, we don't care about Pioneer right now. We'll fix it later if there's a problem. And they It's not the most important thing. We really need to make a historic thing. Yeah. yeah like they did the whole like ban announcement and I think unbanning Oath of Nissa was pretty much an afterthought. They probably just looked at some numbers from win rates and stuff. And somebody, you know, finally looked through the actual data because uh, and saw that, like, you know, the tournament, they just had such low volume there that, you know, something had to happen. So honestly, I think it was just negligence on the part of Watsi, but, you know, that is pure speculation. I think it's a, I think it's a fair assumption. Yeah, so, certainly not completely baseless speculation, but speculation nonetheless. Before we get into all that stuff, though, um, you and I were chit-chatting before the show, and one of the things you talked about, um, and it made me think about this, was uh, you were like, yeah, I, I I saw that I made more money last year, but my income was generally about the same. And I was like, yeah, you traveled more, you know, the normal. I'm like, there's extra expenses there, right? Like, there's those extra bar tabs, yeah. you know, like those extra There's a lot of extra, extra plane flights, too. Because here's the thing. Like, I get it. Some people have to be a little more fiscally responsible than others. And I'm not saying that you and I are not or that we throw our money around, but... If I'm traveling to another city, right, if I'm flying from New Orleans to Baltimore, if I'm flying from New Orleans to Chicago, you know, like it's some city, right? And I'm playing Magic. And let's be real. I'm not eating, you know, as well as I do at home. At home, I'm like three good meals a day. You know, I'm cooking my own food. It's real food. We don't get that opportunity, you know, blah, blah, blah. When I go out to dinner, I'm, I'm eating whatever the hell I want. You know what I mean? If I see a thing on the menu that's 30 something dollars, but I want it, I'm getting that damn meal. Yeah. And I'm getting, you know, maybe a, a nice beer or a spicy margarita. And maybe I'll have a second one if it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm thinking about you every time you order a beer. I, I always know you're like, you'll sip it. And I watch you like, you're, you're a person that doesn't just drink beer to drink beer. Like you like actively enjoy beer. And I see you like literally contemplating the ramifications of what you just put in your mouth. You know, like you're like, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, it's this palette. I, I, I get a hint of oak, you know, like all that stupid stuff, oh, you, right? You, you, know, like, you can see me, if I, if, especially if it's a beer I haven't had before. Yes. You know, I'll get it especially and I'll that. give it a nice sniff. I'll, I'll kind of hold the glass up to the light. I'll give it a look. I'll give it a second sniff and I'll take a slight sip. And It's yeah. an experience, right? Oh, yeah. It's not just a drink. It's an experience, right? But I can tell right away. I'm like, Ross is either a getting another one of this or just getting another one. Period. Like I'm like if you know if it's a good one or whatever, blah blah blah. But um, what I was gonna say, and this kind of led to all this, is uh, I, you know one thing, a good thing that's come out of quarantine, and I I hate to say it, it's good for people to realize this, and I realized this in college a little bit. I've kind of been better about it. I think it's bad for the restaurant industry. Is a lot of people have realized how much money they waste per year going out, the quote unquote going out. You know, like going out for dinner doing this, doing that. And when I'm just like, 
it's kind of like the movie thing, right? Like I've told you, I only go see a movie and like, let's be real. It's probably not happening anytime again soon, but I only go see movies when like Star Wars comes out, right? Or a Marvel, you know, something where you're like, this is like an experience. It's kind of like the beer thing, right? Like I'm not just having a beer. Like I'm not just watching a movie. Like this is an experience. I want to see it on a giant screen and I want my fucking seat to shake when the Death Star blows up. You know, like in the Dolby Digital surround sound. Like, I still remember the first time I saw A New Hope in a movie theater. It was the coolest thing my mom ever did for me. I remember I was in like eighth grade or something like that. I'm that old. I was in like eighth was grade. Was this or like something. 97 when they did the digital? Yeah, release? when they re released stuff. Yeah, yeah. I graduated from, uh, yeah, something like that because I graduated in 99. Yeah, I graduated from grade school in 99 because I was 99 to 03 for, for, for high school. So 2000 to 2003 or whatever. So I graduated around then. So anyway. My mom, like, so I'm, I'm in class, you know, and they're like, hey, uh, like, over the intercom, because we have the little intercom systems and everything, uh, Quintana Grace come to the uh, come to the office, and, and can he bring his stuff? And I'm like, what? I'm leaving? You know, it was like in the afternoon, you know, it was in the afternoon. Tana, so, like, we I, I know what you little, did. Yeah. You've been expelled. Well, yeah. I'm like, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, did I fuck up? Like, what <laughs> yeah. did I do? Because I, I, was, I was not the best kid. I was, like, super ADD, super, like, you can tell I'm super, like, uppity and hyper and high energy like can you imagine me as a child when i wasn't self-aware or couldn't regulate it i was like bouncing off the fucking walls right i was so straight laced as a kid that in seventh grade i had to go down to the office in like january and i didn't know where it was nice nice <laughs> i knew where it was so. <laughs> I, I actually oh. had to ask and it was january i was like i do not know where the office is so anyway, I show up, you know, my mom's there and I'm like, oh, like what's going on? She's like, oh, we have a dentist appointment. I'm like, ah, you know, typical kid. I'm like, I hate the dentist, right? You hate the dentist. Get in the car and we start driving. She's like, we're not going to the dentist. And I'm like, what? She's like, we're going to the movies. We're going to go see Star Wars. So she pulled me out of class early to go see Star Wars because she got off of work early that day, right? Because, you know, my 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 mom used to work like insane hours because I was, you know, I was raised by, you know, just my mom and she had, you know, me and my brother and you know, as much as she gets on my nerves, I I owe a woman a lot, right? Yeah. And she busted her ass to make sure that you know we weren't we weren't rich, but we never wanted for anything. You know, we went to pri- we went to private school. I'm not saying it's better than public school, but we went to like private school. You know, there's food on the table. You know, like I had a video game system. You know, I had a computer at some point. You know, like I was never wanting for anything, right? I will say this: when it came to that stuff, I was a pretty good kid. Like I didn't beg for you know I didn't need new toys and stuff all the time. I, I read books a lot, so that helped, I'm sure. And uh, so I was like, well, where did I? Where? Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, I feel bad for this restaurant industry because, like, I don't know if they're ever going to, like, fully recover from this. I, I, I mean, think there's going to be that There's no more to the Star spike. Wars part of the story? You just got pulled out to go see Star Wars? Yeah, I just got to go. Okay. And, like, well, I mean, it was pretty cool, right? Like, yeah. you know, growing up, these were my favorite movies by far, right? You know, I remember I still, like, I had them on VHS, right? Yeah, watching my, my brother my, did, too. Yeah. I had them on VHS. I remember the first time they came on DVD. It was, was after this. They had not even been on DVD yet, by the way. Yeah, because DVD really is a product of the 90s, right? Like... No, 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 late, late 90s. Yeah, like exactly. Late night, maybe early 2000s. Like, I didn't even have a DVD player yet. They came out on DVD when I was in college. Because I remember yeah. going by them at my college. Yeah, we definitely didn't have a DVD player until the, you know, early 2000s, 02, 03, probably. It, yeah, this was the first college I went to, too. This was before LSU. Like, I, I, you know, I talk about LSU all the time. I'm an alumni, but I actually went to another college, too, or whatever. I don't talk about that all the time. But I remember going there and buying it. But, um, yeah, it was so cool to, like, experience that for the first time. He's like, when you're at home and you're watching your TV, it's cool, right? But the first time you're, like, sitting there and they blow up the Death Star and you feel the room. Well, like, just the opening like, scroll sequence when the music Oh, it was, it was so cool. Yeah. Right? You're like, this little kid. Great. You, you can see my face, but, like, they can't. But they can imagine me just being like, 
<laughs> you're like the little kid with the mouth, the mouth wide over the eyes. You're like, oh my god, it's a scroll. You know, the scroll. It's, it's like the, happening. Like, like the first time the prequels came up. Like you know, obviously I was disappointed. I mean, in the moment I wasn't. I mean, I'll be real. When you're watching the movie, and, you know, I'm young and I'm seeing like you know episode one. I'm like, that was awesome. You know, I'm like that pot racing maybe a little too long, maybe not needed, but that was awesome. You know, and then later I you're the like, pot this... racing was one of the more celebrated scenes there because it was actually like, action packed instead of it, it's horrible. The yeah. pot racing like literally does it, you can just take it out of the damn movie. Like yeah, it's just twenty minutes cool. of fluff. It's and it's it not needed. A sweet video game. The Star Wars that pod video, game video game was awful. <laughs> Who cares if it was bad? Pod racing is just sweet. Star Wars comes out with like seventeen video games a year. And their hit rate is very low, but the thing that saves it is a you know the everyone loves Star Wars and B when they do hit that game is like fire. Yeah. It's like a ten out of ten, but everything else is like a three. Yeah, like Knights of the Old Republic or whatever. Yeah, Battlefront. Like anyway, but what I was going into is like I heard realizing how much money I was spending on like lunch, you know, at work, you know, or like just go and grab dinner on the way home, like all the time. And I'm like, this is so expensive, and like it's so much better for you to make your own food a lot of the time too. Like, don't get me wrong. I ever now that I need, I need a margarita or like, you know what? I've really been craving nachos the last one. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Warzone with Todd and he just keeps talking about these wings. He's getting a, yo, I need some lemon there, pepper wings. There's a wing right stop. There's probably a wing stop yeah. near you. I, I think there's wings up. There's, there's like a locally owned place near me that is just like, dude, it's just like a, it's like a, an older white guy, and an older black guy that do the place and they just cook the food. And like, it's always one of them and they don't mess up. You know what I mean? Like they've been, they, they don't fuck it up. It's not some like it's not some like no offense, but it's not some like sixteen or eighteen year old kid it looking for wings. Yeah, it's not some like seventeen or eighteen year old kid. Like these guys love to cook. You know what I mean? Like this is their this is their baby. You know, and their wings are in. Stuff's I good. I don't but... mean to disparage Wingstop. Wingstop is pretty good. I, I had it a couple times before yeah. I went vegetarian. Uh, but I I can't imagine that it is like. Have you had Have you had wings since you went vegetarian? Have you done like the cauliflower thing? Oh yeah, there's a the Martin's downtown in Roanoke does great cauliflower wings, and they have a. Gochujang chili sauce is awesome. Oh, I love gochujang, by the way. I need to do that. I did a buffalo one here. Like, I made it, and it's like, I messed up somewhere. Like, it wasn't great. You know what I mean? It was good. It just wasn't like, I was like, this... Buffalo is just like the worst kind of hot sauce. Just make it with gochujang, make it with sriracha, make it yeah. with uh, harissa. The, the I don't, I, What is harissa? It's a North African spice paste, I believe. I don't think... It sounds amazing. I think it's a paste and not a blend. Um... But, it, like, any of those are going to just be so much more flavorsome than, like, buffalo sauce is literally just fucking vinegar hot sauce and butter. You know, and it's good, but it's not better. It, it's just not, it doesn't have the same depth. I have a I have a secret confession about that. I have this, like, craving thing. So, one of my, um, one of my guilty pleasures or whatever I used to, I used to order, they used to make a buffalo chicken pizza at Papa John's. It's like a specialty. It wouldn't be on the menu all the time. Whenever it was, I would just order an entire pizza and eat the entire thing. And then I would pay for it for, like, the next three days. <laughs> but, like, God, it was so good. I don't know what it was. Something about it. Like, there's this place that – there's this pizza place by my house that's, like, pretty New, new York authentic. It's, like, gigantic. Like, you know, like, yeah. one pizza is, like, full, one pie is, like, $30. Or, yeah, huge, right? I, I can maybe – I can put down some food, and I, I cannot get through, like, three slices of this pizza. You know what I mean? And uh, – We've got a place I, like that. I eat it, like, a couple times a year, and it always makes me sick every time. But it's so worth it. It's that good. You know, and I don't mean sick like I'm throwing up or anything. It's just like I'm I'm a little sensitive to dairy, you know, and stuff. So even if I take something ahead of time, it still you know messes me up quite a bit. But yeah, I uh, I gotta say I've learned the same lesson, Tannen, over the last five months. Just like how much money I spend going out, especially as just a single man living alone, right? 
Yeah, it's definitely higher as a single man living alone, right? Because like it's here's the thing: the more people you're shopping for, the easier it is to do because you waste less. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you don't buy something that's like you like. I could only buy this in like a ten count, but like, dude, I'm a single guy. I'm gonna eat like two of these. <laughs> like, yeah. But honestly, to me, it's just worth it. Do you know how? Yeah, much I'm not saying I it's miss, not. Like, Look, you know, have you never seen it, Ross? Real quick, have you never seen a hypocrite before? Because you're looking at one right now. No, all right? it's not. I, and I, you know, this isn't hypocrisy. This is just me recognizing the things that I value in life, right? Yeah. And you can say, yeah, like I could save so much money, and I like that I'm saving money. You know, cooking, and I actually like cooking for myself. So I, I think I'm going to end up doing more, just cooking for myself, even even more, and because you know, over the last, you know, let's say four years that I've lived in Roanoke. It's been on and off where I've had stretches where I've cooked almost every single meal, at least when I'm home, and stretches where I've, you know, eaten out a lot more than I should. Um, but, and, and, you know, it's been great to, you know, do more cooking and just kind of be forced into that. Um, and, and I enjoy it significantly. Uh, but I really miss just, you know, especially after a night where I'm like testing until like midnight on like a Thursday, you know. I've had verses. I get home. I do something like do something. I have like dinner. And I'll test, and you know I'm a little bit stressed. I just want to go to the bar, be there till two in the morning, have like three beers, walk back home, and go to sleep. And I haven't done it in five months. Actually, five months almost to the day. Um, and I really, I just, I just want those beers. You also got like more variety. You know, I didn't used to do a lot of drinking at home before the quarantine. And I've yeah. obviously been doing significantly more. And when I go out and I have a few beers, I usually have like, you know, three or four different beers every time. Uh, now I've just got to like drink the same beer for like three days. I've been, you know, I've had like, a, I'm so happy. You don't just right get now. the mixed packs? You don't get like the little variety packs? The variety packs always come with IPAs in them. I just yeah. hate IPAs. That's the problem. Yeah, IPAs, I'm not a big fan either. Yeah. But. The, so um, the big thing is that what's been a great right now is we've hit August, and that's when everybody, Ooh, all the breweries transition yeah. to fall beers. Yeah, it's always a month off. You would think they should do fall beers September, October, November, but they, they got to start it, getting ready early. They do it August through like, October. Yeah, uh, right, and then you know everything th- three months from there. So all the like the the gas station two blocks from me has Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which is awesome. You got to believe the breweries are going to really fucking bring it this year. Because, like, what else have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. You're stuck at home. You're like, ah, I can see the mad scientist, the lab, like, you know, making new beer and stuff. You know? It just means we're starting to get dark beers again. Because it's also cooled down a little bit in Roanoke, which has been great. We've had highs in the 80s instead of the 90s recently. Uh, it has been so hot We're here. going to have some highs in week. the 70s this week. It's I am so great. jealous. Uh, so the Three Notched Brewery, where I get a lot of my beer, has th- their espresso stout again in cans uh i haven't seen what's going on at big lake brewing and ooh, uh star hill's gonna have last leaf oh yeah ross just got so excited gonna y'all can't get hear- some last leaf from star hill y'all can't see right now but ross literally was like rubbing his hands together and now he's doing the happy dance everyone knows what the happy dance is and he's got the biggest <laughs> shit eating grin on his face right now ever oh uh, you don't know about last leaf is a maple brown ale it is a little on the sweet side but i have a bit of a sweet tooth so i love it uh, Corey actually really likes this beer too. I, I should remind him that that's a fall seasonal, and we, you know, Tuesday be excited about it. Tuesday yeah. after versus, we're going to make a stop at, at Star Hill uh, and, and pick up some beer to go. 
you know, when you were talking about like your your nights on Wednesday nights where you you know stay out, you made me really nostalgic for like my time in Vegas or like <laughs> you know back when I was like a bachelor just doing whatever the hell I wanted and like you know m- my life was a little less structured than yours was. You know, I was you know just playing poker to like I would just wake up and go play, right? Yeah, not that much less structured, you know. You know, you know what I mean, though, got, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't have a specific time that I ever had. I never had anything that like I had to do at a specific time. Yeah, you know, there's choice. Like you know, like every Wednesday we wouldn't had we wouldn't had dinner at the same place because my uh like our our best like uh John I lived with John the Job and his best friend and like a very good friend of mine uh worked bar Wednesday night so we just go sit at the bar and they would like try new stuff out on us you know they were like changing the menu or like. They want to try a new drink or something. They were like, we would, you know, we get to be like the guinea, but we get like, you know, good food. We still pay, you know, most of the time and stuff, but like, it was usually really good. Right. Anyway, like I miss like, you know, the nights where like either have like a really good session and you're like, man, I feel good. So like, you know, you come home and like make a drink and have a good night or like the nights where you're really bad and you get yourself like that meal. Cause you kind of like want to feel, you get that comfort meal, but it also just like punish it. You know, you're like, I want to punish myself, you know, kind of thing. Like not a bad <laughs> way, but it's a comfort remember, meal. There was this like, it was like a chain there. I'm trying to remember. I think it's called Roberto's or something like right. And it was like your typical little taqueria, right? You know, burrito, taco place, right? And they're open 24-7 all over the city. And there was one that, you know, I'd get off the interstate. I'd be going to my house and it would be like right on the way. So I could get it any time of the day. And I remember um, every time I would go, I'd be like, all right, give me a nacho plate. So it'd be like, you know, just a bunch of tortilla chips of shredded cheese melt like onto it, but like melted into the chips. So it's better than like nacho cheese or anything like that. It's like actual cheese, right? The important part is to make it in multiple layers. You like put down a layer of chips, yeah. then cheese, then chips, then cheese. Yeah, yeah. And they would do that, right? And then I'd always get like a meal with that. And it comes with sour cream or whatever too, which is good. And yeah, I would always get a meal with it that was like, you know, I'd be like, you know, give me like a three taco meal, like one of this, one of this, one of that, right? And I could usually mostly finish some of that you know there's a good bit of food right it's a good bit and their bean dip was really good yeah, i love good bean dip. you would order two meals <laughs> yeah okay yeah so that's what i'm saying you'd have leftovers also uh they had the most insane breakfast burritos but they were 24 7 so i'd be like and they're only we, like we had these when i when i was in vegas for the team yes i think we did we had breakfast yeah breakfast burritos are like and the, remember how big much. they were for like four dollars oh, they were yeah. just like the size of your head and i'd just be like yeah give me two of those so, you know like give me a potato one and like a steak one or whatever right yeah. and the, st- the steak one would be more because i'd be like give me steak like a lot of guac and stuff like you know just I-, I want it to be messy you know kind of thing so and i don't know man i i kind of i kind of miss that and like you know um yeah i miss my like I, wednesday dine in at fortunato get some half price pizza you know, you miss you miss the regularity. Like a six dollar you know, pizza, and then I would get three twelve dollar cocktails, and it would balance out. <laughs> and they yeah, were, exactly. They like, were I really miss... fucking good, and I would talk with Louis the bartender about magic because he plays. And oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I would be like, hope that Louis was there. Though you know, talking to Jackie's also fun. Uh, I don't talk as much with Brent. They're they're really a three bartenders there, but Brent is also just cool. Um, you know, just talk about whatever they're doing. Jackie and I would talk about Frenette for some reason. I, I don't have the heart to tell her that I actually don't like Fernet because she always just like gives me shots of it. What if she's listening to the show, Ross? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she doesn't. Um, but it's you don't like know a that thing, I guess. That, like Fernet is popular among bartenders. It's this weird liqueur. It tastes weird. It's it's not bad, but it's not my cup of tea. Um, and you know, it's just a a, a weird thing. And so I, I just I don't know. You 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 may be able to guess this, but a lot of the bartenders in downtown Roanoke know who I am. <laughs> I miss Is that because you're famous? They know you by face. Yeah. I know the I know the security guy at you know at my Jack Browns. You know, God, I've actually I can't remember his name. It's been so long. 
I really can't. I feel so bad. I know he was uh, he was doing a, a welding degree, and he was like one semester or one class away, something like that. Hope he got that degree, man. I hope he I hope yeah, he stuck hope it out. He, hope he finished that up. I have heard way too many stories, and I hope I'm not calling anyone else out that's like listening. Where they're like, they're like, yeah, man, I went to college for a while, and I'm like, well, how much do you have left for your degree? And they're like, oh, one semester, and I'm like, what? Like, how did you just not like? Trust me, I wanted to quit, but like, I just pushed through that last semester. Yeah. Like, how do you, yeah, like, do you know how important, like, it's not like you need a degree, but do you know, like, how many doors open just, just saying, like, hey, I have a degree, which is stupid, like, it shouldn't be that way, like, where you have to, you know, go to school and pay a bajillion dollars to get an education that's, like, not even good half the time. The the statistics are very clear, and granted, there is some bias in the statistics, right, because, like, generally people get a, get a degree, you know, skew towards economically advantaged to begin with. Um, and I don't know if I've seen statistics that specifically control for that. Um, at least I can't cite them off the top of my I'm head. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. You know, it, it's got to be advantageous to at least, you know, some degree. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's weird to me, you know, and I don't want to judge people, you know, everybody's situation is different. But it, it, it does not, It's it, it just seems ridiculous to me to just give up and be like, yeah, I guess I'm not finishing that. I mean, obviously, there are good excuses. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, sure yeah. plain, and you should take it on a case-by-case basis. But it, it does always surprise me that, like, you know, you didn't find something. Or at least and maybe, you know, down the road, you know, you can say, I'm in a better spot now. You know, now I'm going to finish. Because I know, like, a lot, a lot of people struggle with mental health. There's a lot of things that, you know, yeah. you, you can't possibly judge people on. But I mean, I took a long time to get through. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't, like, you know, you know, four years done, which... Let's be real. The whole like four year thing isn't really a, a, a thing anymore. Like, especially not here. I know the, the the way that stuff's structured. It's like very hard to get finished in, you know, the quote unquote like normal time frame. I finished of stuff now on the nose, and I came yeah, in with five credits. So oh, yeah, of, course, I, like, of, course, of course you did. Yeah, <laughs> I had literal the bare minimum number of credits to graduate. Natalie crushed all of it ahead of time, obviously. So yeah, for a, a lot of people at, at Harvey Mudd, actually end up taking a summer program after freshman year to finish out their sophomore year of math early. So they'll have enough time to finish in four years. So they basically have to take an extra semester. It's not like a full semester, you know, it's, it's four classes, really, two, really two classes because they're all half semester. Uh, but they condense it over, you know, a, a, a couple of weeks. It sounds hellish. I've heard what, like what they do is that they're like you Monday through Friday, you literally just do back-to-back lectures, each of them an hour and a half long. And then you do spend the rest of your day doing homework. And after three weeks, you have two exams for those two classes. And then you do that again for the next two classes. And then you're done. Fuck and it's, a six, that. it's a six week program, but you never have to do anything over the weekends. So apparently your weekends are really fun. Um, but like during the week, you're literally just studying and doing homework for these two classes all day, every day. Unless, unless you're just a fucking genius. And I hated those people. Yeah, I will say this. I, I definitely tried everything when I was in college, right? You know, like, I started taking, like, night classes, morning classes, mid-afternoon classes, like, found out, like, I'll tell you this. Generally, the night classes and summer courses, a lot easier. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. A lot easier. Your teacher's a lot more laid back. Don't give a shit. Don't show up half the time. Because, like, that's my favorite. Whenever you get the teacher that's just, like, he's, like, you know, 80% to show up. You know, he's going to miss like a class a week or, or they're going to miss a class a week, you know, kind of thing. And those are always fun. Um, I, I took one night. Hold on. I took one night class when I was in college. It was second semester freshman year. It was Wednesdays from seven to 10. All right. It was one of those. And it was part of, it was off campus. I was at Claremont McKenna. 
Yeah, they're usually like off campus or something. Well, yeah. uh, so but when I say off campus, I, I went to one of the Claremont colleges. So I could take classes at any of the other Claremont colleges. Right. Okay. Right? So, you know, off campus really meant it was a five minute walk instead of a two minute walk. Okay. Uh, and but it was it well, was, I was in a different city. So yeah, go ahead. it was part of their honors program. And it was a, it was a history course about World War Two. Uh, and I would, you know, I would show up and I was 50 50 to be awake at the end of this class. Yeah, fifty fifty. Because I actually had a really long day that Wednesday. I don't know why I decided to do do this, but I literally had class from uh, from nine a.m. to noon, three back to back to back hour classes. Then I would get lunch. Then I had an hour. I had a one fifteen to two thirty physics recitation. Then I had a two forty five to four intro engineering course. Then I don't I think I'm going to be awake at the end of this. Then I had three hours off where I would get dinner and, you know, unwind. And then I had this class from seven to 10. So, you know, I had eight hours of classes, eight and a half, really. Um, no, about, yeah, about eight hours of classes in one day. Uh, so my Wednesdays were hellish. So I really was, you know, 50, 50 to, to be awake. And I remember, you know, a third of the way, halfway through the semester, uh, you know, one of the other students in the class started complaining to the professor about how I was so frequently asleep. And he just turned to her and was like, he writes good papers. <laughs> and nice. he just like handed out papers nice. or whatever. And he's like, yeah, he writes good papers. And I just looked at her with a shit-eating grin on my face. Yeah. I was like, what I, I'd be like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you made me think about it. Um, One of my night classes that I took actually had one of like, I, I guess you call it the cooler moments of my college career even though like looking back on it, i kind of cringe you know like uh, you know because i was a lot younger this is, i might have been like 22 or something at this time i don't even know like you know whatever but i took this uh literature course because I, I have a minor in literature and i took this literature course just literature and or like british literature anything specific it was just very 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 general broad okay. anyway i have like six minors because i couldn't figure out what i want to do anyway uh, um one of those <laughs> one of those anyway uh i remember i took this course and it was on british literature and uh, for one of, like, the two or three-week periods, we were doing Beowulf, right? And I've read this, like, three times already. You know, like, I did it in grade school. I did it in high were school. Were you reading like, a translation, or were you reading it in Old English? Uh, it, like, a, I don't remember, honestly. Like, just pretty much the same texture. They do. They reuse the same shit, all right? I don't remember exactly. But I remember, you know, I, I show up to class, and in one of them, I remember I literally had a novel out on my desk and I was reading another book like in class. Cause you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to show up to class, but I just can't pay attention. Right. And the teacher noticed it and did the whole, like, she was just like, are you, are you reading another book in my class? I'm like, yes. Uh, sorry. I'll put it away if it's distracting or whatever. And she's like, you know, like, why are you even here then? And I'm like, well, you know, I need to be here for attendance, but I, I know this stuff already. Like I've, I've studied this book before. And she's like, Oh, and she got like kind of defensive about it, and I, I feel like I probably came off kind of, oh yeah, you know, kind of wrong. And she was like, "Oh, so you know everything about this?" And I'm like, "I don't know if I know everything, but like, you know, I've studied this a lot, and I'll be, I'll be ready for the test." She's like, "Are you just ready for the test right now?" I'm like, "Do you have it?" And like, yeah, real quiet, right? And I was like, "Do you, do you have the test?" And she's like, "Yeah." So I was like, "I will take it literally right now if I don't have to come to class next week." And then the week after that for the test or whatever. And she was like, "Okay," or whatever. And so I took, I took the test. Right, right then and there. It was so funny. She was like, you, she had like a chip on her shoulder where she was teaching for the rest of the class because like she can't say certain things and stuff. But I was like, I was like, do you want me to go out in the hall? So I went out in the hall and like took it and then came back in or whatever. How do you think I did on that test? Uh, I'm going to say, ooh, 
I want to say either B plus or A minus because you probably just I do like crushed it. What yeah, I crushed you it. You absolutely yeah. crushed it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I got like a ninety something. Yeah, it's probably like you know a, a solid A or whatever. But it was more because like the thing is, you know, I went back and reread the thing for like you know when we did the first thing. I'm one of those people. If I start reading a book, I finish the damn thing. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, we're re- it's, if it's not seven hundred pages or whatever, like I'm gonna just you know I knock out a hundred pages in a day, like it's nothing. You know, so I just went and reread the whole thing, right? And I could even tell you stuff about it now if I had to, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. But I remember I just crushed the test, and I was just like, eh. And then I apologized, obviously, or whatever. I but mean, that's just awesome, though. Uh, that is great. It's like a, it's like a TV moment, right? It's like a sitcom moment, like, oh, you think you can take the test right now? You know, like, I do hate that when they have specific attendance policies because you know, yeah. one, you, you you might miss things for you know, non-academic reasons all the time, and you should be sensitive to that. Um, and two, it's just like. Just let people be adults. They they want to screw away their education. Like, you know, they can do it if that's what they're doing. But if they're going to stay on top of things anyway, like, you know, a lot of people just learn better outside of that environment. So just let them I was really bad about attendance college. Like, and that's like the one thing I tell people, like, they're like, uh, you know, if I ever talk to someone about college, just go to class. Like, it makes it so much easier if if the professor knows who you are, you ever have a problem. And the the thing that actually is more important is go to office hours, especially if you have any sort of problem. Professors yeah. love you when you go to office hours. And I'm convinced, even if it didn't help me do better on any exam or any homework assignment, if I'd gone to office hours more frequently than I did, because I, I probably can count on one hand the number of times I went. And, you know, I, I still did reasonably well, uh, but I probably would have done a little bit better. And, and like, anytime your grade is borderline, the professor will always round up or round down based on how you. much the yeah. effort they saw you put in. Yeah. Even if you were studying back in your apartment, if you come to office hours, they'll always round that shit up. Not that grades are like that important, but you know, it never hurts, and it, it they really go, they really are helpful. Every time I went, it was great. I should have just gone more often. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. I was gonna say it, it it definitely can go either way too. I remember one time I went to one, and I was like asking for something. I was like, you know, hey, like you know, I've got a problem with this, this, and this, or whatever, blah blah blah. And the guy's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> He's like, I've like never seen you in class. I'm like, yeah, I, I I'm sorry, man, my bad. I went to a very I'll start small coming to school, class. So professors just knew everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I went to, you know, a big state yeah, university. Yeah. So, very, so like, I guess very different environment. But. I had some classes where we had like 12 people and I had a class where I had like 600 people. Yeah. We were in an auditorium where they used to do, I think I've told you these stories where they used to do pranks during the classes. Like some frats would p- prank us during the class. Did I ever, did I ever say about this one? No, no nothing specific. Like the one, that, one that comes to mind or whatever, one of the cooler ones I remember. So like you're sitting in an auditorium and it's like, you know, the, the, the seats are like scaling upward, right? It's like you're in a stadium kind of thing, right? And they're on the bottom. And the guy's like, you know, lecturing, lecturing. And the way it works is like everybody looks down at him and at the board, right? And there's there's a giant door to the right and left that come in. They're I've big paid, doors. We had lecture halls. I took classes yeah. in them. They were right. smaller than yours. Like, sorry, I'm trying to give everybody a home. I'm painting an oral picture for our, everybody. Our lecture hall held like, you know, two, 250. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the, it's middle, it's the middle of the, of the thing, right? No one would walk into class at this time, right? And so the door opens up and some guy just like walks in slowly and everybody kind of like, the fuck you know like just look at the guy and he's just like strolling in and he's not you know moving towards the uh the, the seats or whatever he's like kind of moving towards the middle of like you know like almost walking in front of the podium right you see the professor starts to notice him and he's like what the hell's going on and this dude's just looking at everybody right you know he's looking around looking around looking around in the in the crowd and all of a sudden you see him he like looks up to the right and he just goes there he is and he like points and everybody's like what we all look over there and this dude stands up out of his seat and he's dressed like waldo from where's Waldo? He just takes off running, and that dude just takes off running after him, like up the stairs. And they go out the room, and everybody's just, like watching it. 
and people were laughing and stuff and the professor i hear him giggle or whatever and then he just goes about and continues the lecture oh, afterwards yeah. i was like this is literally a tv show like <laughs> like what just happened there's some other ones there's like another one of ninjas involved they do stuff with dogs and stuff anyway um do you want to talk about pioneer i guess i, I, I guess i prefer waldo but he's not in pioneer people were talking about they should make where's waldo books where he's wearing a mask or whatever or he's just not there like he's just not in the book because he's socially distancing or <laughs> there's just an insert of him sitting at home in the corner <laughs> yeah he's just got a he's got a where's waldo book at, at home like looking at it and so he's like i'm right here but anyway um so we actually had tournaments fire over the weekend some 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 pretty good ones and i know in particular one of them had a quite decorated top nine i think is what we're going to mention yeah. even though we'll talk about and, some and of the decks and the stuff but, challenge right so, yeah but yeah. you want to just go ahead and start with the the regular challenge yeah, kind of like save the, the best for last. We can do the regular challenge. All right, and that was the one that was won by Nivdalite, correct? Yeah, and if you look at the results, Nivdalite was you know the number one deck of the weekend, very widely played, did really well. Is this kind of Pioneer's top dog right now? It doesn't surprise me really either because with the combo decks gone, right, and no aggro deck. Besides, like, I mean, like, Mono Black's an aggro deck, but not in the traditional aggro decks. There's no aggro deck that's just running everybody down. That a lot of people are kind of shifting to these, you know, they're, they're playing the mid-range piles, right, that they were before. Because, like, oh, I can play these decks again. And this is the one where you're like, oh, you want to play mid-range? Let me introduce you to Niv Mizzet. Yeah, this is the mid-rangiest of mid-range decks. Oh, yeah. You know, you want to play creatures that get value when they enter the battlefield. Niv Mizzet draws you three really quality spells. You want to have the most flexibility in the removal that you play. Nimbizit can play any removal spell in the entire format if it's good. And you can put it in your deck. You know, uh, you get to play Teferi. You get to, you know, you get to play Uro. You get to play Sweepers and good removal. You can play, you know, Thoughtseize somewhere in your deck if you want it. Some less do, some don't. Uh, you know, a lot of them are playing Oath of Nissa now to increase their consistency. And these decks also use the Triumphs really, really well so that they don't flood. So, yeah, definitely doesn't surprise me either. Uh, the Niftalite list here is also a Yorian list. Some are, some aren't. Again, you know, that, hey, that sort of preference. Is that thing that I talked about was going to happen? Yorian with Othanissa just seems like a match made in, in Corey Balmeister. He seems like, it seems like something he would just want to do with every deck. Oh, yeah. But. Y- Yorian is still like, not great in these Niv lists. He's usually like the second Niv trigger is kind of overkill. Um, but, you know, if you're playing Mirrors and you're looking for any edge that you can get, Yorian is definitely an edge that you can get. It's still great with Teferi. You're playing Oath of Nyssa. You're playing Oath of Kaya sometimes when you're Yorianing. That's a good one to hit off of Niv-Mizzet uh, in small numbers. And so, that, you know, there's definitely some value there uh, to be gained. Uh, and I got to say this, too. We've seen something kind of shift from the Niv-Mizzet decks from before. Obviously, they're not going to be the same as they were during, like, you know, I read and call it like Combo Summer you know, when we look back on this years from now, uh, you know, the, the combo days. Can we just call it combo quarantine? Because they've combo quarantine, I like overlapped. it. Yeah, A, you're not seeing the, like, cranial extraction effects main as much as you did back in the day. You know, we saw, like, multiple. But you're also seeing Deathrite Shaman make its way into these decks, and it's becoming a four of. Now, before, when that was a card that, you know, a lot of people weren't playing in the deck, or we saw people trying out. And there's not the most ways to activate it, but with Triomes, like you said, and, you know, Four Fabled Passage, and just a few other ways to kind of, like, get cards into your into your graveyard, like, this deck churns through cards, right? Like, it's got Oath of Nissa, it's got Uro, like you mentioned, it's got Niv-Mizzet, and you're going to be drawing extra cards or one for one a lot. I can see you activating the card a lot during the game. Not to mention, it does do a pretty good job at handling opposing Uros. 
yeah, handling opposing Uros, I think, is a super important part of why this card is good, because it's not going to be a mana creature that often and that early. Um, so an Uro really is another just mid-range mirror killer. So having a, a very clean answer to it here, in addition to, you know, you, you almost always see Otter End and Extinction Event as Singleton targets for Bring to Light. Um, I, I can definitely see Deathrite Shaman here. I'm not completely convinced, um, uh, just because it, I think it's going to be pretty low impact a lot of the time. Uh, but I see the reasoning why people are playing it. And, uh, you know, certainly scary if you're trying to play a graveyard deck. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm not surprised to see it be popular. You know, just because, like like you said, me and you thought this this could be the Uro's real time to shine. Like, I think it's one of the most influential cards in the format, if not the most influential card in the format. So, um, really cool seeing this. We've seen a, a couple really cool uh, cards in the sideboard. I, four voiceover surges is interesting to me. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of matchups where it's really good, you know, but... I can see the Scarab God down here seeing Casualties of War start to show up and some other really cool uh, one-ofs that you can go fetch up yeah. in a lot of matchups. So the, These are all I, pretty typical. Uh, they're just, you know, very good in specific matchups. Casualties you can't find with Bring to Life because it costs six, but it's still really good. Um, I, I like Voice quite a bit. This is the card that I would be main decking instead of Deathrite Shaman. I love cards that play double duty against both low-to-the-ground aggro decks and, you know, control decks. Voice really does do that. Also great against Spirits. Um, so that, that's a card that I like quite a bit. And I actually played this deck on versus with a list that main decks and voices sideboarded up to four. Uh, and they were quite impressive. Uh, speaking of impressive, the third place player is a pretty imp- impressive player. I don't know if you've ever heard of Canister before. Ring a bell. Canister like the like a thing you put water in. No, Canister like the magic player that crushed the MPL last year. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he brought a spicy one here in this challenge. So this is labeled as Bant Control, and I think it's pretty cool, right? Like, it's a Yorion, like, blue-white control list, but there's some there's some green stuff in here, for real. And it's, you know, obviously there's Uro, but you're looking at uh, Grove Spiral as well as kind of a card to kind of keep up with these other decks. You know, if you're going to be mid-ranging a lot and, and uh, controlling people a lot, you know, it's an extra card, extra lands. It lets you play these other because, like, when you're looking at this deck, yeah, it's got Teferi Time Railer, but he's also got multiple Teferi Hero of Dominaria. He's got an Ugin in this list and you know a couple other things at the top end like four shark typhoon you've got to you've got to believe he's looking to cast one in this deck at, at certain points too oh, like yeah. actually cast pay six mana and uh, the big draw to me here and i'm so, sort of surprised to only see two copies is elspeth conquers death i think that that card is just really good especially in mid-range mirrors you know very versatile removal spell that also provides you significant card advantage you know there's a difference between five mana, return a big thing from your graveyard, and getting that thing back when you are fully untapped, right? And it just gives you a lot of versatility there. Obviously great with Yorian, and that's the big draw to me here. Uh, you know, you see the third copy in the sideboard, that makes sense. I like the counter spells. You know, Sensor and Absorb are cards that can really give you a huge tempo advantage. And when you're playing white, that's usually what you're looking at looking for you know uh you know teferi hero is also a really nice one that can grind out a long game but the the white really does let you play a little bit more of a tempo game and stop your opponent's spells um for you know very small amounts of mana right countering bring to light and niv mizzet for two mana is awesome 100 percent agree with you i i love the card sensor i love the card growth spiral you know what i'm actually missing from this list that i think could be really cool that I think is maybe she try to find a fit a one or two of in here. Dig through time. Yeah, it's a little awkward with Uro, right? 
let me talk about a little bit here. It, it does kind of mess around with Uro, and that's the only thing. But when you have the cards Opt, Azurish Tarb, Sensor, Growth Spiral in your deck, right? You're going to be churning through a lot of cards and build up this kind of thing. But I want to I ask you this. Have you ever seen Shark Typhoon work with Delve before? It's really cool. What do you mean? Oh, oh, as like it sees the converted it. mana cost, not what you not what oh, you pay yeah. for it. I've watched Spike stream his modern like is it control decks and Logic Knot after a Shark Typhoon for, for, and Call of Thunder Twin many times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like there's some cool stuff there. So I would be tempted to like maybe fit one in my deck. Uh, I I do admit with Uro it is it is probably just going to be too much and too hard to do. I, but I agree that I would be tempted as well. Yeah, Stick there's four Fable Passage in this list along with I was gonna say how many of the he's got four Irrigated Farmland. You know, and is the is the Bant Triome in here? There's no Bant Triome, is there? There is no Bant Triome. The, the, I was supposed to say, I just, I just took for granted they would be in here because it's yeah. a Urian list. It, so. Well, but Bant Triome is not a card that exists. Oh, that's right. They don't have a Bant one. Now, <laughs> that, yeah, you, you are correct. So it just makes sense. It's just smart deck building, right? Just for irrigated farmland. Yeah, good enough. Um, yeah, I think this deck's really, really cool. There is a third Elspeth Conquers Death and Cyborg. So, like, you know, kind of agrees with you. I, I like that card a lot, too, especially when you're just... You're, you're uroing right and you're casting five mana planeswalkers and stuff like you've you've played some standard you you know what this card feels like in those games so gotta admit i, I i'd maybe be into there uh i want to talk about the fourth place deck too this is a deck that i thought people would kind of gravitate to immediately after the bannings and i gotta say this one kind of like underperformed i think a little bit this week for me I and that's soul tight control this is this is the big underperformer from the weekend and i i look at this and i look at the the list and there's not much going on here that we haven't really seen, right? Like, there's a Liliana Waker of the Dead in the, in the main here. That's the M21 version of the card. But other than that, I mean, and there's, like, two Shark Typhoon, right? Because, like, let's just talk about, I mean, Shark Typhoon, I think, was the most underrated card. One of the more underrated cards the last, like, last few months, if not the last year, to get printed. You know, people yeah, were, like, agree. kind of just glossed over it. I'm like, this card is very good. You know, it's going to be good in every deck that can cast. I, I remember playing with it on versus, and we just kept continuously being impressed. It's like, is this good enough for this? Like, I'm not sure, but it, it sure is looking good here in these spots. And it just kept impressing everyone everywhere. And now it's just a multi-format staple. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think the card is very good and very, it's, you know, it's doing stuff in Legacy or two, right? I did not know it's doing stuff in Legacy. They call it Shark Still. They do it with, with oh, uh, I have, Still. Oh, I have heard about that. I didn't know that yeah. if that deck was good or just kind of a meme. It's probably kind of a meme, but, like, I could see, like, the quote-unquote miracles-types decks doing it, you know, where, like, it's just something else to to yeah. do. You know, it's, like, it's probably just better than trying to miracles um, uh, the the one that makes angels. I literally just blanked on the name of the card. But Entreat the Angels, yeah. It could just be better because you can pitch it to Force of Will, you know, and Force of Negation and stuff. So another just good, versatile blue card, right? It's exactly what blue needs. Another good, versatile card that can't be countered and stuff. So, but, yeah, um... I don't know, not much to talk about here other than the fact that, like, the deck is just a bunch of solid cards, right? And I gotta say this, it's hard for this deck to super succeed in a format that isn't established yet, too, right? Where, like, you need your answers to line up correctly. Well, yeah, uh, to some extent, that's all mid-range decks uh, it's true of, but mid-range is still doing well. So I don't think that's the major issue here. I think the big problem is that this is a format where Thoughtseize is not particularly good. It's still a great card, right? But it's much worse than it has been in Pioneer basically at any right. other time. And that was one, that's one of the huge draws to Sultan Delirium. It's a very good Thoughtseize deck. It's not going over the top of the Niv-Mizzet decks. And there's way less aggro for it to punish than there otherwise would be. I think as, 
as or if if slash when aggro picks up again, you'll see mid-range players gravitate more towards Sultai. That's kind of where it's positioned. It's the mid-range deck that is weaker against other mid-range, but better against aggressive decks. Um, it's still probably solid against, you know, control decks. Uh, it might be even a little bit better than Niv-Mizzet against those control decks. But in a more mid-range format, Sultai is actually going to get outclassed. And I, That's I a was, really good point. Yeah. I was hoping Emrakul would do a lot to help it because it can just build towards this end game of Emrakuling its opponent. But I, I don't think it does. I think the Niv-Mizzet decks just, you know, outgrind even Emrakul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must say, I, I've heard people talk about it from the Nimbus side, and they're like, yeah, they actively want other mid-range matchups at all times, because it's just a joke at, at some point. Um, I do kind of want to move over to the other challenge we're going to talk about, because we'll, we'll kind of touch back base on this one because of the way the results work and the, the kind of crossover. But I do want to talk about this one, and you were telling me beforehand, there's some big names at the top of this, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, win it, winners Doomwake, who's you know a longtime New England grinder that's recently started full time streaming, um, who exoed the entire tournament. You know, beating UBC Bob the Dog, who's Gabriel Nassif in the finals on Niv Delight, a deck that he's very experienced with. And then, which it, by the way, if you, if you like that deck, check out his stream. You can he streams all of this. So you can go see the deck in action. And you see Belovo and LSV towards the bottom of that top eight, and that's Tiago Saparito and LSV. Uh, and Saparito has played mono black aggro for months and put up a ton of results with it. Yeah, so, he's he's so invested in yeah, the deck. Yeah. So these are great players playing their decks. And I, I think Doomwake beat LSV in the top eight. So I think he beat LSV and Gabe, you know, on this run. Uh and so really, really impressive performance from him. And this deck also top eight of the other challenge, but now it wins. That's mono green devotion. Uh, you know, we saw this do well even before right after the Oath unbanned, before the ban of all the combo decks still, it appears that Oath, you know, really did a lot for this deck. <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk about this. Um, it's 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 labeled as Monogreen Planeswalkers because there's a little more of the look of like, you know, we joked about this with Todd, you know, like wh- which way is Monogreen going to go? Is it going to look more like Todd Anderson's list before all the bannings or is it going to look more like uh, Aspiring Spikes list? And this is a little bit of both, right? You know, you're still seeing like this is the aspiring spike list. Spike yeah, still played Voracious still... Hydra. Also, yeah, walking okay. ballista, but that one's gone now. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have that card anymore. I'm saying it's still got that explosive element of like mono green. Uh, yeah, you know, just just ramp and stuff. This but it's just the right way to build the deck. Karnas is yeah. a good card in the deck. All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as I say, it, it, this is the one that I talked about that I was super interested in. Right, is having Karn main and being able to kind of like have some of your cyborg cards in game one because you have like graph diggers cage in the cyborg which i think is a really big card in this format um very important but one of the ones that i want to talk about is like how what ramp spells you use and what you know spells because like here's the thing like when you're playing tron in modern it's important to have the right cards to go along with all the big hits right like you, know, you have like your chromatic stars you have like your ancient stirrings and in this you have oath of nissa like we said i think this is a really good home for the card because it finds a lot of the really big payoffs right it finds your, your planeswalkers and it finds Nykthos, you know, the cards that are going to do the big busted things. But it's also playing Wolf Willow Haven. I always make myself make sure I say that correctly. It's a, it's a mouthful. And that one's really good in this deck. And the fact that, you know, you get to kind of like have another ramp spell that pairs really well with Burning Tree Emissary on two. You know, allows you to do like multiple things. You know, generate a lot of many of a lot of really busted draws. Or if like you go turn one Mystic, turn two, put that land, you know, put it on land, tap it for mana you know, uh, Burning Tree Emissary into whatever, and then now your Nykthos is super powered up. Also, it's really good with uh, Nissa Who Shakes the World, because now your lands are just generating, like, I can't even, that's a lot of math, and I, I don't, you're the math guy, I'm not the math guy, but 
Um, I gotta say, this is one of the decks that I would lean towards uh, in this format, just for familiarity's, familiarity's sake, and I think it just looks really good and powerful. Yeah, it's a deck that really can impose its own game plan on any style of deck. Uh, you know, you do have to play a little bit differently depending upon what your opponent's doing, but you just have a strong, proactive game plan that works across the board. There's no matchup that is, like, super scary here. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly with you about Wolf of Haven. It, really important to have your third mana creature, essentially, if that's what Haven is, you know, not be an actual creature. There's a lot of spot removal, a lot of sweepers around. Yeah, you, you can play Sylvan Carry at it, dodge that spot removal, but you're not dodging those Supreme Verdicts and Deafening Clarions and Eat to Extinctions uh, or Extinction Events that people are playing. And, you know, that that's a big deal because that's that's the, you know, the number one way that people contain this deck is to really stop its mana and force it to play its Planeswalkers in a fair way. And Wolfful Haven is a very difficult card to interact with, so it makes a very reliable ramp, reliable devotion. I think it's a great add here as a four of. Um, I actually saw a list of this deck from uh, Tommy Ashton, Stainerson on MTGO, five in the League deck dump, that in the Jade Light Ranger spot was playing Lanoir Visionary, which I think is really interesting. One for a devotion. You know, sometimes you get cards off of Jade Light Ranger, but if you do, they're always lands. It's a little bit just more consistent of an effect. And I think the card is just good, and I'm interested in exploring it in this deck. I think that's something that more people should think about. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying I, I definitely think it's better than Jade Light Ranger. I, I think it's close, but I, I just found that interesting. Um, I've heard strong opinions on both sides. Yeah, not surprised. Mm. Classic Magic players. Yeah, so I've heard people say that they think it's unplayable. The Visionary is unplayable in the slot, and they can't believe people are actually playing it. And I've heard other people like, man, it just made the deck better. You know, like you turn through your deck more, you know, you go from three to five guaranteed more often. Yeah. Th that's the big one that gets me is that curve. With Nissa in your deck, being able to go Elf, Visionary, Nissa is really appealing. Yeah. And like, I, I would definitely try it. 100% would try it with the Elf, Visionaries and give it a... The thing is like, it's hard to look at this list and this result, you know, like just XOing through this tournament and be like, the first thing I want to do is change cards out of it. <laughs> I used to always get on Brendan DeCandio for that because, like, it didn't matter how well a deck did. He would always be like, I want to change these nine things. I'm like, well, can you try the list for first? You know, try to see what's going on. You know, that kind of thing. But Yeah, I, and I've, I've trained myself to say, here are things that I'm going to watch out for because I want to change them. But I'm going to try the list out as is, you know, unless I see something really that I think is particularly egregious. And we'll actually get to that later in the show because there's a, there is some egregious stuff going on in one of these lists. Um you know, unless I see, the, like, I have to have a really strong opinion to change it before I, I play a game. And uh, you kind of mentioned some of these other decks. Another Sulta Delirium made it in this top eight, but again, not with the results that, you know, I thought we would yeah. see overall. And if you if you look over to the right, the metagame summary here, that's the only one in this top 32. So, yeah, like, it made it to the top eight, and I think you see, you know, more Sulta in the regular challenges, three in the top 32. So you're talking about four out of 64 decks or Sultai Delirium, that's 1 in 16, you know, a little under 7%. That's that's worse than I thought Sultai would do. Still a fine deck. If it's your cup of tea, you know, go for it. I think it's viable. I think you can put up results with it. But it, it's below some of these other decks for sure. If it feels like, a you know, more of a Tier 2 than a Tier 1 archetype right now. Uh, I want to take a look at Belovo's list for a second. Just your typical mono black. Nothing really, you know, out of the ordinary here. Nothing jumping out, but... I do like the sideboard that we have here, and you could tell that he came with uh, Uro in mind. There's three Soul Guide Lanterns and two Agonizing Remorse. 
in this sideboard. And we talked about this, like you want to be able to interact with that card if you're trying to attack your opponent in this, in this format. And especially out of this deck, which is so good at grinding through removal. You know, you have so many built-in two-for-one, so much built-in card advantage, and those utility lands in Castle Lockdown and Mutavault. This deck is awesome against blue-white control. That is one of your best matchups. But against Sultai, like, your only real problem is them running away with the game with Uro. So you just really want to target that aspect of their deck. Soul Guy Lantern lets you do that. Uh, I completely you agree. Kalidus in the sideboard, too. That's like a preemptive kind of thing. You know, if you can get that in play and they don't have an answer for it, you can't just... Yeah, you know, you're not bringing in Kalidus against Uro decks for the most part. I'm just that, saying that's it's, coming it's in another... against aggro decks. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying it's another thing you can do there if you, if you have some spots that match up. I, don't, I mean, I haven't played... Uh, this deck versus the new versions of some of the Uro decks. I'm sure there's maybe a matchup where you'd wonder ever, but... In, in a lot of the aggro matchups, you, you actually, you know, you cut some of your recursive threats and you cut your thought ceases and you bring in a pile of removal and Kalidus and you just play that card advantage game. You know, occasionally you generate some card advantage with your creatures. You got a two for one with Murderous Rider or you just take over the game with Kalidus and that's kind of the way you play. And you know that you know, they're going to flood going along, even if they play fewer lands because you have Castle Lockdown and Mutavault. Uh, so Kalidus lets you kind of play that game plan. Yeah, exactly. And I want this deck to be good. I want it to always be good in this format. I think it's healthy for this format to have this deck around. Plus, I just really like it and own it. So I, I, I'm definitely happy to see this deck still doing well. Um, I know you kind of wanted to talk uh, about the ninth place finish in this as well, not just this top eight, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, you know, you see the username Festy Fan. For those who don't know, that is Corey Baumeister, my co-host on Versus Live. And he's been talking this deck up, you know, something fierce and, you know, really put his money where his mouth was, barely missed here. Uh, you know, his losses were, he was 6-0 in this tournament, lost two in a row, won the last one and bubbled to ninth. Still a very impressive finish. I believe he lost to LSV and to Doomwake, you know? That's a rough tournament. Yeah, uh, but I, I know the next day I was watching Zach Allen's stream and he was playing this deck. He went 5 0 This is another deck that feasts on mid-range. This deck just looks really good, too, on paper. And uh, this is just blue-white-red Yorian Fires. And we saw this deck during the Companion era. And it was very good, and it was doing really well. Yeah, this is pretty much a standard deck. <laughs> yeah, nothing, there's nothing really new here. Uh, like, Chain to the Rocks is kind of new, and I think really good in the deck. Um, I I honestly think that the biggest um, innovation that Corey made is in the mana base, where you see not only four copies of Rogren Triumph, but three copies of Ketria Triumph. This deck has seven cycling lands so that you don't flood as much, and you just have things to do with your mana with the fires in play. Once you have fires in play, you don't care if the land enters tapped if you have to play it. You know, if it's your fifth land, uh, you know, you don't care. But you do care if you get to cycle it and find get another shot at a spell, you know, and the, you know, the mana's not going anywhere else. You, you still, now you have seven cycling lands and five castles. So there's so many mana sinks in this deck. Really, you know, heads up play that I think a lot, just an oversight that a lot of people would make, including myself, in deck building. And it's these kind of little things that really do separate the, the cream from the rest. Um, so I really wanted to highlight that R really, you know, just a super smart deck building there from Corey. And this deck, is, I think, is great right now. If you liked this deck in Standard or Pioneer, jump on now because this deck is great against Niv-Mizzet decks. You know, in, 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 I say Niv-Mizzet is sort of the king of the mid-range decks. This deck is kind of a mid-range deck, but it's a, it's one with a synergy sort of engine, this Luka Agent Yorian engine that... You know, it's synergies that, that are always going to go, in terms of power level, way on top of anything fair. 
You know, any yeah, sort of cause... just individual creature that draws cards, no matter how powerful. And Niv-Mizzet is like the king of that. It's a five-color creature that is gigantic, incredible on rate, that draws like three or four, maybe even more awesome spells, right? But you're just not beating the opponent that in one turn casts 14 mana worth of spells and steals three of your permanents. It's just not yeah. happening. Like, yeah, that's what, just... what you're kind of mentioning there is this has the Luka Agent of Treachery uh, like kind of kind of a combo thing going on here. And that's a good spot to be in in some mid-range mirrors where you're just like, oh, you did something good? I'll take it. I want that. This is something that got banned from Standard. So this is another thing we talked about in this format. You know, you look at stuff that got banned from Standard, right? Some of these cards got banned in their days. They're too good. Let's 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 see if we can make them really good in Pioneer. When you when you talk about how these match up against mid-range decks, we did a show on versus where we played a, this Jeskai Luka deck against old banned Standard decks. We played against the Simic Oko deck. Which I would classify more as, as a mid-range deck. You know, Oko and and Hybrid Graces are great mid-range stats, but they're playing fair. This deck crushed it. Jeskai Luka just like way over the top of what the Simic deck was doing, obliterated them. You know, and I mean, it, they're it's a little unfair because we're playing an outdated list of one deck and a, and a new list of the other. But honestly, like the the matchup did not feel remotely close, and that's what this deck does to other mid-range decks. It's a little bit more vulnerable to the more interactive decks. Like it is pretty weak to Azorius Control, where Nimbus has a lot more game, and Sultai I think would be a significant favorite there. Uh, so it's going to be it, it. It's not all upside here, but right now mid range is king. Nimbus is the most popular deck in these tournaments, and I think that makes this deck a great choice because you know even in the matchups where it's rough, it has good tools. You know against the load of the grind aggro decks, you have Birthmalitis, Chain to the Rocks, Deafening Clarion, Supreme Verdict. Against the control decks, you have some counter spells on your board. You have Shark Typhoon. You have Narset and Teferi. You know it's a Yorin deck. There's some variants there. You got to draw the right part of your deck, but you're not out of it in any matchup, and you do crush what is the most popular segment of the metagame. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? I might have to give this deck a spin. There's one deck that we've kind of skirted around this weekend, and um, I kind of wanted to ask you the question. Do you think this deck's real and it's here to stay because of, it put up some pretty good results? And I want to say it, um, I think it is. I like the deck a lot. I like to play this kind of magic, and that's Spirits this weekend. And we saw multiple versions of this deck this weekend, too. And if you saw my article this week, Tannen, you would know my answer. And what was that? I was kind of, I'm leading you into this, Ross. Come on. <laughs> my article this week, I believe, ended up being titled Spirits is once again a tier one deck in Pioneer. Well, there we go. If I, I might have gotten that verbatim. Um, so wrote about both versions. Um, I like them quite a bit. You see there's two copies of Azoria Spirits in the top eight of the regular challenge, and there's two copies of Azoria Spirits in the top eight of the pot of the showcase challenge. Uh, one same player, by the way, too. Traft top eighted both of them. Oh, wow. And then one Simic Spirits in the top eight, in the top four, actually of the showcase challenge and that was one of the six o's this i believe the six o's were doomwake nasif Corey, and the simic spirits player so the the of the four six o's three of them took first second and third and one of them bubbled into ninth uh, a little unlucky there Corey. but yeah really impressive showing here from spirits if you look down through the top 32 there's five spirits decks in the showcase challenge which is tied for the most with niftalite and plain and mono green and there's five in the regular challenge, which is second to Niftalite, which had eight. A huge showing there. 
uh, throughout the rest of the top 32. So 10 total copies across 64 decks, you know, that's f five out of 32, you know, you're talking 15 and a half percent. Really impressive showing here, top to bottom from Spirits. And I'm with you. I think that's it's real. When people are playing mid-range decks, you know, you know, and they're tapping out for four, five, six mana spells, you know what card is really good? Lofty Denial. Yep. God damn it. Lofty <laughs> Denial. <laughs> Nailed You're really going to rub this one in, huh? Nailed it. I'm going to keep pointing out every single time someone's playing Yorian. Still, after it got banned. <laughs> after it got changed. But anyway, um, yeah, I would take a look at Traff's list. I, I think it's the same between the two. We're very close. And there's some cool stuff going on here, right? Like, there is Lofty Denial, like you said. Um, Shacklegeist is making an appearance here. You know, a new card from M21 this that we already talked about. This started and, taking shape before the bans. Shacklegeist was a part of it. And there's a new M21 card in here as a four of that... I, I kind of wondered if this was a card, but like it doesn't have the spirit um, subtype, so I was like wondering if there. And this is Watcher of the Spheres, and so for all of you who don't know that at home, this is a two-two for blue-white. It's flying, and it says creature spells with flying you cast cost one less, and then when another creature with flying enters the battlefield, uh, this creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So this leads to some really aggressive draws. It allows you to double spell. As, as early as like turn three which is a little bit harder to do out of this deck if you're not including a one drop but when you start making like rattle chains cost one right selfless spirit cost one shackle guys cost one phantom cost one and then cards like imperial angels spell queller and uh devil guys herald cost two and it's like pumping your you know you're like you're pumping your spirits as you go it's gonna be really hard for an opposing deck to keep up when you're doing all that I completely agree. Watcher of the Spheres is the most recent innovation. That's happened very recently for these decks. I really like the card. I think it, this is now cemented that you don't need Collected Company. This is your Collected Company. Sounds a little weird because they read very differently as cards, but Collected Company was usually letting you get, you know, five, five or six mana worth of spirits onto the battlefield for four mana. So it was netting you a mana or two, and that was the really key part of it. Uh, you know, the card advantage was nice too, but I actually think the tempo was, was even bigger. This card is giving you that tempo. Uh, and when you, especially when you now have Lofty Denial, it's a lot easier to hold up Lofty Denial on turn three when you get to play a two-mana spirit next to it. Yeah, th that's a big thing for me too, right? Like just, if you gain one mana off this card, it's good, right? If you gain two, or that's game winning. And I went and looked at the two lists and they are a tiny bit different. And the thing that's cool, the cool to me is in the first list, which he played the you know the day before this one, he only had three uh, watchers, and he was like, you know what, card was that good? It was it was the real deal, and he went up to four. So that's a that's a big endorsement from from a player. Um, you know what else is really cool in this deck that I like a lot, and we don't have to go into it like too much. But one of the things that I really like about this deck is, and you're gonna understand why when you think about decks that I like and sideboards. Like I love this sideboard. Because it's it's a whole bunch of like very cheap cards, you know the most expensive card in the sideboard is Mystical Dispute. Let's be real, that that costs one mana, not three. It's a whole bunch of really cheap cards that are not broken, right? These cards, besides Dispute, are not like absurd, but they are very good when they're good and they're very cheap. And you're looking at sideboard card of like, I'm kind of I'm gonna read this off real quick. Grafdigger's Cage, Light of Hope, Aether Gust, Devout Decree, Disdainful Stroke, another Shacklegeist, and and Mystical Disputes. Almost every card in there has specific stuff that it's trying to do at a very cheap mana cost because this deck needs to curve and it needs to fit its disruption in at the right thing if you're a delver player you know what i'm talking about like you know when you need to like 
fit in your disruption piece, and a lot of them cost one mana. So that's nice that you could fit it into this turn of like turn two or turn three alongside something else because that's how you're winning. Yeah, it, it's not like Dreadbore and Abrupt Decay where you can just kind of untap and deal with it after the fact. All your disruption here has a very narrow window in which it's going to be effective and you need to have it in that window and be able to cast it in that window while also developing your own battlefield. So, you know, the cost on your spells is so important. Also, a couple of the cards are, this is another thing I'm, I'm big about, and you've heard me talk about when I'm building de- uh, sideboards for, you know, Legacy Delve or stuff. There's a few cards in here that you know come in in more than one matchup. And this card is good in a matchup for one thing, and it's good in a matchup for another thing. Like, you look at the card Light of Hope. It's really unassuming, right? It's a one-mana instant for white. But you get to choose one of three modes, where it's gain four life, destroy an enchantment, or put a plus plus one counter on, on a creature. All of those modes are good against burn decks. You know, good against other aggro decks. Like, every one of those modes. But then, like, what if you're playing against like the Jeskai Fire stack? Like this, this, this card can be in there too. It could save one of your creatures from a removal spell, or it could kill one of the enchantments that the deck's named after. Can potentially save an anthem, uh, a lord from a deafening clarion, which then protects a lot of your other board. Super important, right? You know, even like Oath of Chandra, just being able to be like, no, to you killing. Because like one of the things that they need to do is they need to deal with uh, Selfless Spirit. And they usually have to give one card to kill self spirit so they can clarion you the next turn, right? Or they can supreme verdict you the next turn. But if you're if you're able to just protect your your uh, your selfless spirit in this matchup, I feel like you're actually pretty favored in that spot because if you can just keep your board together and not have to worry about you know you're not losing four cards to to supreme verdict, you're losing one, you're in a lot better spot. Yeah, I completely agree. That deck's very reliant on on its sweepers. And I think that's one of the reasons you're you're seeing this deck you know, kind of up in popularity and do well this weekend. Um, I kind of wanted to, I was going to take a quick little peek. I hadn't looked at the other list. I, I should, I should have, but it's, it's uh, pretty much exactly the same. It looks like, it looks like a uh, watcher of the spheres is definitely the thing that's going to start happening in the future. Very similar deck and cyborg. I really wanted to talk about and get interested in this. What do you think of the Simic spirit list? What do I think of the Simic spirits deck? Cause uh, like we said, there's, there's no white man in here and let's be real. This this deck is mono blue spirits. It's got a couple green cards main. And let's let's talk about the green cards real quick. So everybody at home knows what we're talking about. It's got four blossoming defense. Uh, if you don't know what that card is, it's one green mana. It gives target creature plus two plus two and gains hex proof until turn. So it's a counter spell and a pump spell. And then it's got two copies of sixth sense, which is just copies. Uh, it's pretty much copies uh, five and six of curious obsession. It doesn't give plus one plus one. It doesn't have the the same uh, drawback. But it's it's another card that you could put under creature and keep the card engine yeah. going. The the thing you got to understand about this deck is it's going to be called Simic Spirits and Azoria Spirits is going to be called Azoria Spirits, but they are very different decks. Azoria Spirits is really you know uh, they're they're both tempo decks though they kind of they fall under that realm. I, I kind of think Band Spirits was much more of just an aggro deck that got to be a little bit tricky because all its spells had flash. But it, was very, it didn't really have that much disruption. Like it sideboarded in some counter spells. Its only counter in the main deck was Spell Queller. Uh, for the most part, you were just you know, spewing onto the battlefield. If you got some value out of a Rattle Chains or a Spell Queller, that was great. And usually, you know, that, that would be enough for your your aggro plan to win. Now with Lofty Denial, you've seen them shift back and be a little bit less threat dense and a little bit more of just a good tempo deck. And you know, that's where Watcher really helps out. It provides that tempo uh, and works really well. When I think about them in my mind, and I think about the differences between the deck, when I think of Azuria Spirits, I think of more of the Spirit deck in Modern. Like, that's the, 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 you know, the closest one in my mind. 
when I look at Simic Spirits, I think more of that mono blue deck that we had in Standard a year ago. Yeah, uh, 100%. That, that is the difference. They're both tempo decks, but they play differently. You know, Azorius can play a little bit more of like go wide aggro. This mono blue deck, or nearly mono blue deck, Simic deck, is it's just the, the pioneer version of mono blue aggro. And it, it's a curious obsession deck. It's realizing that Blossoming Defense is just the best, you know, dive down ever printed. And you get to, you know, play a couple extra copies of, of your key card in Keen Sense or Sixth Sense. Keen Sense was the one from Planar Chaos. does the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, you, you get that little splash. And when you're Simic, then you get the enemy colored mana. It works out really well. And it, you may say, well, this deck still has 26 creatures in it, which is way more than Mono Blue Aggro ever did in Standard. But the reality is, and the reason why it works so well in the Spirit Shell, is that all of your creatures also are spells. You know, you're still playing Siren Storm Tamer, not a Spirit, but a, as your other one drop, because you want a healthy number of one drops with Obsession, it's the next best one. Mausoleum Wanderer provides some protection. Rattle Chains provides protection. Brazen Bar lets you actually interact with permanents on the battlefield. Super important. Um, even though it's not a spirit. Nebelgast Herald is critical against aggressive decks because you're really just going to be racing them. And if the cards are still flowing, you're going to keep drawing more spirits to tap down their stuff and maybe a second Herald and really be able to play that kind of game plan and win the race that way. So the the numbers look a little bit weird if you were to just look at the old standard deck and look at this deck, but it makes a lot of sense when you consider that this deck, you know, has so much access to interaction from its creatures and that's why it makes sense to just use spirits as your creature base as opposed to going towards, you know, uh, Tempest Gin or Brineborn Cutthroat or any of, of those kinds of things. And, you know, it also makes sense because Lofty Denial is just the best two-mana counter spell. And so you just want to play all flyers and that's all spirits. And then on top of that, you get Supreme Phantom. And that's really important for closing the game out. This deck's not going to be as aggressive. It's not going to goldfish kill people as fast as Azoria Spirits does with only the one Lord, but that one Lord still does a lot. You're going to find more of your interaction with this deck and just slow your opponent down, and that's fine. So don't be like, you know, if you're coming from Spirits and now playing this version, don't say, oh, like, this is a problem. I'm only attacking for two or three or four instead of four, five, six um, on the regular. As long as you're interacting with your opponent more, and you certainly will with this deck, and drawing more gas, you know, you're going to have, you're, you're going to be fine. Um, I think this deck is really good. I've been looking to play this style of deck in Pioneer for a while. I love it, but but what? There's some egregious card choices in this deck. What's that? And they all happen in one section. What's that? It's the land section. I knew you were gonna get here when we got here. And what is that? We're a twenty land deck. Okay. That's all. I think that's an okay land count. I kind of want. I want to go to twenty one to be honest. I'm all for twenty one and playing a third Muta Vault. Oh no. Look at the colors in our deck. Look how much colored mana you need. You know, when you're playing turn one creature, turn two obsession, protect it. You can't have a Mutavolt. I'm also, I understand. Do you, like, Mutavolt gets so much worse when all of your creatures fly. Because they're yeah, going to have true. random yeah. creatures on the ground. It's just going to get through a lot less. Uh, right? I think Mutavolt, you just can't play Mutavolt in this deck. And I also think Hash Up Oasis is a stretch. I think wanting a 13th green source, yeah, perfectly reasonable. Uh, there really isn't another good dual land. You know, you have three good duels. You're playing four of each of them. I want to play a Mana Confluence and two more islands. So okay. Give me, give me my 20 blue sources. If you play a 21st land, maybe you can play a Mutavolt if you really wanted to. But honestly, 
I think like a Castle Vantress would be a better utility land uh, than Mutaval. I just don't, I don't want to play a colorless land in this deck. You got some colorless sources that it can pay for, but there's a lot of games where you need three blue mana between turns one and two or blue, blue, green. And if you have that Mutaval, it's just going to screw you. And I don't think it's going to do enough in the games where you actually are activating it to, you know, be worthwhile. And this is coming from someone who fucking loves a Mutaval. Mm-hmm. It pains me to cut Mutaval from decks, but I cannot, I cannot countenance it here. Um, I will also say that I don't think Cerulean Drake is good in the sideboard. There are some red decks. It's great against red decks to have a nice, easy target for your Curious Obsession. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love I, 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 think you're, I think you're a dog to the burn deck. but Yeah, you're, you're almost always a dog to aggro decks. But I think you need to play it. You don't have that much room for anti-aggro cards. Um, and so you need something that's more wide-ranging. And the old Band Spirits decks used to play Permeating Mass. That card was a bitch. I've played against yeah. Spirits with aggro decks. Permeating Mass was annoying as fuck to deal with. So I want to yeah. see Permeating Mass in this deck. Uh, I want to see more colored sources in the mana base. Uh, but otherwise, I think this deck is awesome. I love it. I, you know, it's not, the, this is not the kind of deck that is going to stay good over the long term. It needs the right metagame, but the mid-range metagame is it. But once people figure out the aggro decks that beat these mid-range decks or the mid-range decks that get, get too big, right? Like you can beat the Jeskai Luka deck if your aggro deck is good against sweepers. You can beat Niv-Mizzet with certain things. People will play more uh, self-inflicted wounds because that deals with Sylvan Carry added and Niv-Mizzet and Uro. Uh, really efficiently and like mono black. So, you know, there, there's tools and, and eventually the metagame will react and this deck won't get good again. But this is the kind of deck that anytime it's good, I'm, I'm in. And I think it's good right now. You know what I'm looking forward to with playing this deck? You know what I want to do? I like that it has four Brazen Borrowers in it because I have four, what are they called? Showcase? You know, the, the extra yeah, different yeah, art? The funny one. I have four of those because I love the alternate art and I it it's a pain to track down four of a mythic like that with alternate art. They're not cheap. So I'm, I'm super excited about, you know, possibly playing with four of those. Sleeve. It's like what I talked about. I have my, you know, four alternate art Japanese Karns, and I haven't gotten to play them in paper that much, and I'm, like, just dying to do so. Like, I just want to play with, like, my cool-looking cards, man. I want to show this stuff off. Yeah, and I don't know what to tell you. Fortunately, we've got a year and change of Brazen Bar oh, yeah. Standard, and it's always going to be a Pioneer, so don't worry yeah. there. Um, one thing I, I kind of... I had like a light bulb or whatever go off. If you're going to be playing red right now in this format, I almost feel like you should be playing Annex. Um, so it's a little awkward against Extinction Event, which is the primary sweeper from the Niv-Mizzet decks. Yeah, they have one copy of it, though, and they have to yeah, bring they, the well, light. They, that's it, their sweeper, though. They have, they have five copies of it. Yeah, well, bring the light costs five mana, though, so like let's run them down. The card hits really hard, it plays well against removal, and it plays well against the other removal in the format, the other sweepers. That is something that makes sense in a mid-range format. Usually in those kinds of formats, the aggro decks have to get a little bigger, right? Um, and Annex, not only it lets you keep a low curve and still have a card that plays well with cheap creatures, but it also just plays so well with Ember Cleave. So I think a, mo- a more creature-heavy mono-red deck, you know, we've seen Burn ever since Lurus was printed be the default red deck. I think we could go back to more, you know, creature-heavy that has, you know, Lots of good ones, uh, you know, whatever good tree drop it wants. Annex, maybe Rabble Master, and then tops off at Embercleave and has some burn in it as well. That could be the way to go for red right now. Maybe Torbrin it really at the top of the curve because it plays so well with uh, with Rabble Master and the cheap creatures. So, yeah, I was gonna say I do like that the red decks are playing Chain to the Rocks now though. You just you gotta deal with their row, man. Yeah, the, the, they've had, the burn decks have had four on the sideboard. It's just a good card. Yeah, I was say you've you've just got to deal with these problematic creatures like Uro that like. If you ever have to expend resources to kill an Uro, 
that just you're not winning and then like, they just like bring it back two turns later and you're like god go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah this card is pretty stupid or whatever but i have one more point on this deck and it's gonna start with how much i hate heroic intervention as a card i think it's one of the most overplayed cards you always see it in sideboards when people send yep. me lists it's a card that's always in their sideboard uh you know it, it it's a card that creates a lot of blowouts and i think that's why people like it they remember the blowouts and they're like wow this card's really good and they don't remember the floor of it <laughs> yeah and when you anytime you're building a deck that's heavy in creatures you're always worried about sweepers and mm-hmm. you know it's a, a green card that's really good against sweepers so but it's just like when you're playing an aggro deck it's hard to, to hold up right yep. you, you usually have to Agreed. you know give your opponent two extra turns in order to constantly have two mana up starting on turn three or four uh and that just ends up not being worth it but it's great in this deck. Oh my god, you've you've come full heel. It's gr- okay, and here's here's why. What are the two uh, most common spirits in Azorius that you have to give up to go straight Simic? If you have Selfless Spirit and uh, the Counterspell one, Spellcaller, Spellcaller, yeah, yeah. What card are those two cards really good against that you might otherwise be worried about? We talked about this when Sweepers. we talked about Azorius. Supreme yeah. Verdict. Oh yeah, Supreme Verdict. Yeah, yeah, they're both really good against Verdict. Yeah. And so you need a card that replaces it, yeah. Yeah, you need like this deck is is quite vulnerable to Supreme Verdict. I didn't You're- know there was going to be like questions, and I didn't know <laughs> it was going to be tested in multiple. Posts. I was also uh, texting my wife, so I was like not ready to get a question from you. Sorry, Continue. you're playing. You're playing protect the queen with this deck, you know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Azoria Spirits is more of an aggro deck. It's going a little wider. This deck is, you know, you're going in on curious obsessions and protecting, you know, a key threat. Supreme Verdict makes it really hard to do that. So you like you need a way to protect it from verdict. You've given them up to go into green and cut white from your deck. Heroic intervention does that, and when all your threats have flash, it's really easy to leave it up. If you happen to have a draw that you know spews two or three creatures on the battlefield in the first couple turns, you can pass. If they don't play verdict, you play your brazen bar, play your nebogust herald, or what have you. Play rattle chains. I don't know. And if they verdict you, you just intervention it. I think it, this is literally the best heroic intervention deck I've ever seen in my entire life. And I know when I first saw the list, I saw Intervention, and I immediately had that like pit in my stomach. God damn it, this idiot put Heroic yeah. Intervention in there. Yeah, the adverse reaction to a yeah. card you use hate. You know what I, I hate about I thought about it for a minute, and I was like, holy shit, they're really smart. This is a very important cyber card in this deck. Do you know what I hate about Heroic Intervention? That it always is like a 5 to $10 card because of Commander. Like, people just play it in Commander because like that those effects are like sweet and cool and good. But it keeps the card like that you... It's this fringe like unplayable card that you ever ever know then randomly like i might need two or three of these for my sideboard for like the one time i play this deck what do you mean it's 20 dollars? yeah like what <laughs> and it's been printed like twice now you know it's a it's a rare that never sees it like any competitive player that ignores uh commander would just think this is a bulk rare but it's just you know not. this this made me think about something yeah i'm gonna get up on a soapbox for a second so um it's it's thursday uh today what's the date it's the 13th i almost said the 12th it's the 13th and Amonkhet remastered got released on arena today right and you know me I, I, I like limited so i've already drafted the set like four times even though it came out today right i had a really cool deck with like approach the second sun today i know it's not very good in the format but my deck was sweet and very good with it and won a lot of games do you know how many cards are legal now in historic that aren't legal in pioneer i don't know the exact number but it's a lot yeah it's it's, it's a two digits and it's it's really really no no, no i think it might be three at this point. It's a lot of digits. Yeah, I think it's like 200 cards or something like that. Like, someone oh, said the exact sure. number, but here's the thing. Like, uh, Hooklin was tweeting about it. I could look it up. I don't know if I like that, since, like, they're both, like, supplemental in, like, the same kind of time frame, but there's cards that are legal in some and aren't in others. And I'll say this. 
I'm really not excited when I'm playing like Amonkhet Remastered to have my opponent cast some card and I'm like, wait, that's in it? Like, I had, a, I had a game today where I was like, I don't think I can lose because of the way Amonkhet plays and like all the cards. And then my opponent cast Chandra Pyromancer. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah, Amonkhet staple Chandra Pyromancer. Or like my opponent cast Wrath of God or Blood Moon against me or something. I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? Like, you know what I mean? And like, I'm not gonna lie. Look, I get it. We signed up for that. It's cool. They're they're adding some cards. Like, you know, your opponent thought seizes you. Yeah, you remember thought sees on on, on I don't. You know. Yeah, it's. It, I, I'm not a big fan of it either. You know, we poked fun at it today on Versus. Actually, we played. Did you? you I know, missed today's episode, so I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, we we played the game. It, is this legal and historic or not? <laughs> Rob would give us two cards. One of them is legal and historic. One of them isn't. We would have to guess which one is. Would it, were y'all at like fifty fifty or? Oh no, we we so, uh, I think we played the game three times. And we were right all three times, maybe four even, but there was one time where it was a trick question and both of them were legal and historic. Oh, so, he got you. Good. Yeah. Okay. What were the two yeah. cards? Um, so, uh, if you don't remember, it's fine. Oh we move my on. God. Um, uh, so this was a pair that he gave us and it was, um, Shaman of the Pack or, Beetleback Brigade, is that the name of it? It's the, the two red red two two that makes two goblins. I, I don't know the I would guess here. I don't know the answer to this. I would guess the, the goblin card is legal because they made made a bunch of goblin cards. Yeah, it is the goblin card. Yeah. Um and then there was you know, there was one with Maelstrom Pulse, and Corey just knew that, you know, he Maelstrom played Pulse like is five sets right? historic and gotten Maelstrom Pulse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maelstrom so, Pulse is in the set, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we we got them all right, but we 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 had to think. It was not just snap answering <laughs> Uh, and like I've looked through a lot of the all the supplemental stuff because we've done some historic shows, not many, but for you know anytime we did it, I would look through every card. So I've seen everything. I, c- I couldn't you know rattle off the list off the top of my head, but I've at least seen it. So you'd expect me to like you know have some inkling if, if they say a card name, it, it might ring a bell, which is what happened with the goblin. Um, but no, it, I'm I'm I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Like making it difficult to figure out which if a card is legal or not. And making it difficult to have an idea of, like, you know, which cards are is really tough. And all these supplemental sets are really um, are really just making that harder. You know, this kind of thing started when they started making, like, Commander cards illegal in Legacy, right? And I was like, okay, so we have all the cards that are printed in real sets. And then, you know, now these Commander cards are legal. That's, that's fine, too. Every now and then someone casts some card and you're like, that's not a real Magic card. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know if you've been following uh, Legacy at all lately. I actually did coverage of a Legacy event recently and, like, Ninjas did well. And it just has this Commander card. So there's a card getting cast in Legacy right now that has the ability Commander Ninjutsu. Do you know how many times that's been printed on a card in history, Ross? I'll give you a hint. It's What's not a lot. Is it one? Yeah, I think it's one. There might be a random other commander that can ninjutsu. I don't know. But he can literally ninjutsu from the command zone. Like, I'm saying, it kind of like, defeats the purpose of ninjutsu, doesn't it? Like, they, everybody can see it coming. Yeah. But it's just funny, right? Like, you're in, you're playing Legacy, right? Your opponent's, like, brainstorming with, like, Delver of Seekers. Other person's like, you know, sneak attack, attack, you're cool. And you're like, ninjutsu. And you're like, <laughs> what? What? You know, like, it's just... Supplemental sets had some... They, they put some weird stuff in there. And there's some cards that you're like, this is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Come on. Honestly, there was really only one card in the entire time they've been doing this. And they started in, like, 2012. And the entire time they've been doing it, I think there's been one card that I'm happy was added to 
you know, competitive formats from a supplemental set. And it has since been reprinted in standard multiple times. Contain- containment Priest? No. Or no? Scavenging Ooze? Yes. Scavenging yeah. Ooze. I think that card is great. Well I think people forgot that well that started. Card. I think yeah. it was great in Legacy when they first printed it. Did good things. Um, and it, it has since proven it like it's worth across multiple standard formats. Every other supplemental product card, I would prefer Magic if they didn't exist. I think Flusterstorm is kind of an asinine card, and like we already have a bunch of other things in that vein. It's not significantly better than them, but sometimes just creates these weird situations that are super complicated for no real reason. I think you know True Name Nemesis is an asinine card. All these weird, like sometimes you just see these weird four and five mana cards people cast. Uh, like just none of them have done any good things, and I just it's very annoying. Yeah. I mean, as much as much money as I want of true names, as I'm, I'm aware that card is not like okay. I, I'm also of the opinion that Modern Masters has been bad for Modern. I agree. I think it ratcheted up the power level of the format to an unhealthy degree. I mean, um, it also and a lot printed. of the look, one of the one of the things that people really liked about Modern was that their deck was going to remain at least viable, and a lot of decks just stopped being viable because of Modern Masters. Either because something in Modern Masters made a card too good, you know, I, I think looting and Mox Opal might still be around if uh modern masters weren't printed uh and people who played gorios and affinity you know would still be happy or because you know some decks just the, the format is just powerful enough that those decks just cannot win anymore things like Eldrazian taxes any version of merfolk uh you know it, it really hey, we might get some merfolk help soon we just got a lot of goblin help like maybe they'll help out another classic tribe sometime you can't soon. help merfolk it only does one thing how many like you how many lords can you fit in a deck? They already have another two mana one. They have twelve two mana lords if they want. Like the, a sixteenth isn't helping them. Just put Muxus underwater, alright? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I honestly like if I wanted to build a Merfolk deck, I think people are kind of trapped in that mold now with all those two mana lords. I would build my Merfolk deck with four seas claim, four uh um, spread them spreading seas yeah. and master of waves and just fucking yeah. get people with master i still remember the first time that deck came out like when they were i think they they put spreading seas in like uh what was it like in cobblade or something you know some deck like that when it was changing every week it was really cool to watch and they just called the deck spread them i'm like this That's is well, a little that was well before cobblade the spreading seas deck was like a four color cascade yeah, deck yeah whatever it was it there was, was like some other deck into spreading seas over and over again and exploit the fact that jund had bad mana Mm-hmm. This was, was like, like this was the year before Zendikar block. It was right after after Conflux and Alara Reborn when when Jund was really good. And, and over I mean, those, I wasn't like, I wasn't playing a lot then. I was just watching months. it on, on, on Twitch. I was saying I just remember hearing the name spread of and being like, "This is inappropriate." Yeah, but it just, hilarious. It was just a cascade deck that consistently yeah. hit spreading seas. So you, like your opponent would just have three islands to play all the time and two sprouting Thrine axes in their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that card, uh, not easy to cast in your opponent when you have Idolind in, in play. And some of the Jund decks started playing, like, Rampant Growth to help solve that problem. And, you know, they did some weird things because the deck was fucked up and way better than every other deck, but had the one exploitable weakness in its mana base. And people really started hammering at that. Uh, and so that, they had to get a little little creative. So, uh, I was going to say, I, I, I forgot to ask if you got this or not, but um, I received something in the mail from our sponsor uh, this week. Did you? I did. And it was yeah, pretty cool. I, I remember so, I saw the email like, you know, five, six days ago that like your order is shipped. And I was like, I was like well, well, I didn't order, order anything, yeah. but that's cool. Yeah. So um, I've actually tried all three of the products that they sent us. Uh, have you? I haven't actually. Um, I meant I actually sh- trimmed my beard down a little today. I meant to use the balm and then I just forgot because I was like 
trying to get it done quickly because I was going out the door to play some basketball. Yeah, so, so one of the things they gave us, they gave us a uh, cool aftershave bomb from, from Barrister, man, it's from the reserve. And I gotta say this, I like it better than typical aftershave. Aftershave, you know, it has a, like that sting, you know, the alcohol or whatever feeling, you know, like it, it, whatever. This one, it, it has that, but it's more of like a cooling effect. And it's like, it's not like a liquid. You know what I mean? Like well, aftershave, you just kind of like pat it into yeah, your... It's, it's, it's kind of waxy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of like a substance that like, I feel like it coats better and like gets into everywhere. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like it's a more even spread. Yeah, you usually want to warm that kind of stuff up in your hands a little bit before applying it to your skin, and it, it feels really good. I've uh, I've had some beard balms stuffed in my stocking over the last few years. That's a it's, common. It's thing really important. So. It's been stuffed in my stocking recently, which I love. Um, I was gonna say they, they sent us the cootie killer. I think it's. Or, I'm sorry, cootie cooler. Or I want to say killer cootie cooler because uh, killer kind of makes sense too. Yeah, with like you know hand their, soap. That's but, their hand soap, right? I don't know about you, but I over the last six months, I've washed my hands more than I had in six years <laughs> prior yeah. to this. So hand soap, all, always down for it. Um, I haven't opened the new one because I'm still on the right. bottle. Lasts quite a bit. Yeah, I'm the same way. I haven't physically tried this one yet, but I'm going to. But I'm actually like super excited about the other product they sent us. And um, one of our like avid listeners got this as well. They messaged it. They got the uh, it's it's a hand and body soap, but it's like minty fresh. And he's like, yeah, I loved it. And so I was, I, he actually DM'd me about it. He's like, hey, I ordered this stuff. I was like, tell me how that soap is because I'm getting it too. And I used it yesterday for the first time. And I like went out, cut my yard. And you know, you said it's like been cooler there. We were the opposite. It's getting hotter. It was 97 the other day. So it's like 110 or whatever here. And I cut my yard and I can only cut half of it at a time. I just cannot do the full yard. I can do the back of the front, you know, uh, and I'm going to die, right? And you Make know sure that feeling I'm talking about. First, you go into so your house has a mullet. So, yeah, well, I mean, they can't. You can't see the backyard. We have a fence, so who cares? I want your house to have a mullet tannin. Well, no, the backyard the front, needs to be trimmed more often. Party in the back. That's, that's Benny's part of the yard. She runs around in there, so it keeps her cleaner and stuff. You know. Anyway, lawn mullet, lawn mullet. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, I'll give you the lawn mullet. Anyway, it happens more often than I like to admit. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, and you know that feeling I'm talking about. You know, when you come inside from outside and you're like. You step inside, you almost get dizzy because you get hit by the cool air, and you're like, holy shit, right? Yeah, and, and like then you start to water. realize just how much you've been sweating. Yeah. You, you never like, really realize so when you're outside. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah. Like, you you know, you go to take a shower, and you have to, pe- I'm like, you have to peel the shirt off of you. You know what I mean? It, like, doesn't come, you know, you're, like, literally peeling it. Yeah, especially and, your socks. Yeah, Ugh. and nothing feels better than taking a shower after that, right? Yeah, nice, but, cool shower. Yeah, like, not hot. Like, you know, I don't like it cold, but I like it, like, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And... I gotta say this. Not only is the soap, it's I, I like a good bar of soap. I'm not gonna lie, like the gels, I'm I'm not a big yeah, fan of unless you have a loofah. Bar soap. I'm one of those people. Yeah, I, I, I like a good bar of soap, but this actually like it has that minty, I wouldn't say like aftertone, you know, or whatever. And it's pretty cool. Like have you ever like uh used shampoo that has like eucalyptus or mint or anything in it? You could like feel it on your scalp yeah. afterwards and it has that like, good feel. I have you get that all over shampoo right now. It's yeah, rosemary and mint. Yeah, you just get that all over, and I was like, "Dude, I can't wait to do that again." Like, I it was that's awesome really and refreshing. Good for those cool after you know you've been outside showers because it really just exacerbates the cool, clean feeling that you want to get after you feel so sweaty and grungy. The, yeah, this, it's this it's perfect for this time of year, right? Like, because I, you know, I I go do yard work, I, I go outside, I exercise right now, and unless I'm doing that at eight thirty at night, I'm going to drown in my sweat. Yeah. No, this happens to me when I do laundry because I, I don't have laundry in my apartment and the, the laundromat is it's two blocks away. Uh, and you just you know, break a sweat easy. It, it is two blocks away and the, the laundromat itself is air conditioned. So I walk two blocks, 
with my laundry, and I usually have my suitcase and my backpack just full of laundry. Carry it there. Do the laundry. The thing is, it's a small, shitty laundromat, and there's literally nowhere to sit inside, and there's two benches outside. So I'll, like, you know, brave the heat and sit outside for 15 minutes rather than stand the entire time I'm doing laundry. So I'm outside for, you know, 15, 20 minutes while the laundry is being done. I fold it there and put it back all back in, and I walk the two blocks home, and I feel like I have to shower. If it's hot and muggy outside like that, that's, you know, a literal two-block walk will do it. And now we're at that, you know, we're doing regular exercise, playing some basketball. Like, when I get home after that, and we even, we play at night because we found a court that has lights. So we've been doing a lot of, like, 9 p.m. to 11 o'clock basketball, which is fucking great. It's just, that's just really smart. You know, yeah, you're like, we're all very smart. And, and I'm, I'm very jealous that you get to kind of, you get to kind of do that. But for everybody home that's listening, that's Barrister and Man. Uh, we do have a code on there to get 15% off your orders. It's just Pioneer Cast. Make sure you check it out. Uh, we've already had a couple people, you know, reach out to me and tell me they've gotten some products from us and they're doing really well. Like they've, they've enjoyed the products quite a lot. I got to say this. I can never not have these products now. So that's one thing I'm kind of like, you know, I'm like, God dang it. You know, like I have to have this now. Because like it's, it's one of those things, you know, you don't know what you're missing until you have it or until it's gone, right? And so... Uh, you know, I, I, I know I harp on this one a lot, but I am just, I, I shave today and I love it. I have the, uh, the shaving brush with the shaving butter, you know, where you get to kind of like lather it in. And if, here's the thing, if you got a guy in your life, yourself, your boyfriend, you know, whoever, a friend, you know, your best friend, you know, uh, a brother, and you want to get him a cool gift, I highly recommend doing something like this. Oh, because here's yeah. the thing, I would not buy this stuff for myself until someone shows me the, my error, the error of my ways. Or buys it for me, and I'm like, I have to have this now. You know what I mean? Like, and so I love the way it shaves. I I love the soaps and stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm so addicted now. And I'm not gonna lie. Every time I try a product and I like it, I go back to the website, look what else they've got, or whatever. So, uh, and my wife likes that I smell better. I'm not gonna lie. And I'll tell you this, guys at home, if if you want to do better with ladies, hygiene is probably number one. Smell is a big part of that. Smell better. Yeah. You know, there's there's not a lot you can do when you're single and you're in a crowd of people at a bar to stand out. Having a really distinct and, you know, pleasing aroma, that is definitely a way to do it. Take it from a married man who way out kicked his coverage. <laughs> that is a great turn of phrase. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say one last thing on this. I know you talked up the, the minty fresh scent. The one that I really enjoyed is the Seville. What did you get the because I got lavender for most of my stuff and so, so get- I've, I in the in, you know, first shipment of stuff they sent us to try out when we were talking about the sponsorship I got multiple things with Seville because I talked to to uh, the owner and about like the kind of scents that I normally use uh, anyway and he that's the one he recommended and I've really liked it that's the one, the hand soap that I have and I'm working my way through Seville the first bar of soap I worked my way through was Seville. Um, Right now, this I got the minty fresh in the the body soap. I've got lavender for the hand soap, um, and then I've got the 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 shave balm, which I'm I'm gonna use next time. I really trim up my beard and use the trimmer because I I definitely get some irritation uh, uh, because I on my ch- uh, chin or b- below my chin and the neck where I really just take the trimmer directly to my skin and and get it pretty close. And, you know, I could take an actual razor and really shave that super close, but I'm too lazy to do that. And, you know, who's going to notice when I've got a long beard in front of it? Uh, But you do get some irritation from the the trimmer there, and I bet the balm will help that quite a bit. 
last thing I'm going to say on it, and this is the biggest endorsement that I can give it and how much I do enjoy that stuff. I have seriously considered going fresh shaven lately. Like actually just shaving all of it off. Cause you know me, I always have some facial hair, like at least like a five o'clock shadow. My wife has never seen me clean shaven. The last time that I shaved my face before I met her like six years ago. And I'm seriously considering it. I, I was almost, I was going to do it today, but I just like didn't for some reason. I, I guess like muscle memory took over and I just like trimmed everything. And then, uh, you know, I shaved from my chin down. I I'm not a, I'm not a neck beard guy. It's not, it's not pretty down there for me. Yeah. You, you got to leave a little bit past the jawline, but not much. I mean, come on, man. It's, it's me. I have the best jawline in an A. Let's, let, let's be real. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure. I have a strong jaw. That's, yeah. that's for sure. With great uh, jaw comes great pain. I have it, uh, it, a If you try to cut it like right along the jawline, it just ends up looking like you have a double chin. Well, that's yeah. So I usually have, a, I usually uh, would go to my barber like multiple times a month and he would just like, you know, line me up and do that stuff. And like now I can't really do that. So I've had to do a lot more of the stuff at home now. And so this is kind of nice, like to have these products where like, cause here's the thing. I'm not going to lie. I need an escape from normal. I need like a, you know, you need to treat yourself, you know, every now and then you need to have a good day. It'll do a little something nice for yourself and go spend 30 minutes in the, in the, in the bathroom, take a good shower, get a good shave in, make yourself all nice and clean. Yeah. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll have a better day. It's so easy to just be super grungy when you're at home all the time and it, it feels so good. I'm one step away from trying bath bombs, Ross. I went, like my tub is like not very comfortable for baths. I tried it once and I like could not stand more than 20 minutes. It's like just barely too short for me to really relax in it. Have you ever, uh, have you ever seen mine? Have you ever shown you a picture of mine? No. Is it I have gigantic? A gar- I have a garden tub. Yeah. Is it like a big soaking tub? that's really deep. It's like a jacuzzi. It's like not that big, but it's, it's my wife and I can fit in it very comfortably together without a problem. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah, it, that's, yeah, that's just awesome. Yeah, that is a stickler in my home from now on. I don't care how many houses we go through or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I have to have that. We have that with the sh- the separate shower because yeah, I hate yeah. the shower in the tub because I am a klutz and I will kill myself. Yeah, so. that is, that's just, that's the dream. I will actually hurt myself there. Yeah, I, the next one we're doing, we're doing the double shower head. It's a giant waste of water, I know. It's so unnecessary, but I want the two shower heads. I got spoiled at some casino that I stayed at once and uh, they had like what, a- What is the appeal? So uh, you have one shower head in the normal area, and you have yeah. a second shower head directly above you, usually. Again, why? Okay, try it. I, I, know, I don't know where you're going to do it. I don't understand. It's one of the things you're like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then you do it, and you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, it'll change your life. I feel like I would find that very annoying. You find a lot of really good stuff annoying. You're just weird. Why, why do you have to, like, it's great, Ross. Just accept it. I'm I'm highly skeptical. Yeah, I don't know why you're so skeptical of the double. I want to do that with like a big tile shower. You know what I mean? Like like a walk-in tile shower, kind of like you get it uh, like nice spas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. Or maybe the two shower heads in there, just so because like it's, it'll be bigger and you'll need to cover more space. Maybe I don't know. I'm still. I don't know. I just don't. Why? Ross, what, I have a, Ross, I have a better question. I have a better question. Why not? Because it's a giant waste of water. It is a giant waste of water. I and also, like, that. when when I have the uh, you know when I have the shower head that is streaming down onto my shoulders and my neck, sometimes you know I don't want to get my hair wet. I'm just in it. I'm not washing my hair for like the third time that day. Well, I don't know how you ever get your hair wet in your shower anyway, since it was made for hobbits. <laughs> I lead my head back. I I so I've stayed at Ross's place multiple times. I loathe your bathroom. It is made for people that are like five two. 
Yes, it is. It is quite small. Uh, I am six feet tall. Your shower head barely reaches my chin. (laughs) (laughs) The shower head is actually the perfect height for me. It comes down right on my shoulders. Yeah. So, and I'm, you know, slightly below average height. I'm 5'8 and change between 5'8 and 5'9. I have to like do squats to to take a shower in your place. Yeah. Um, But the, yeah, the, the, if I had something over my head then, I could like I would have to turn that off and then just I I just can't imagine wanting to why I just why look whenever whenever you uh, whenever you come and visit I'll there's a there's a casino like two hours from here that that has it I know that I'll I'll rent one of the rooms just for you to take a shower okay <laughs> I'll be like hey guys can I get an hourly rate I'll give them the wink when you and I walk in we just need, we just need it for an hour oh you my know? god. <laughs> And see if they see if they have I'm an hourly in, rate. I'm, but I'm I'm only in if I can like, uh, hmm. I want I want to play into the joke somehow, but we got to figure out a good way to do that. Sure, <laughs> I wasn't serious, Ross, but sure, you're going way too deep on this one. <laughs> but, all right, anyway, uh, Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your music, whoa, 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 what? Whoa. Oh, we, we have a question. No way. Step here. We have a we question. Have no questions. way. We have two. Nice. First is from our mailbag, and one is just from our Patreon thread, but we wanted to answer it because it was pretty cool. Yeah. So the first one from the uh, the mailbag, did you want to read it? I'm sorry. Yeah. So from uh, Revan Christ, says, If Zendikar Rising has good ally fast lands, would that significantly affect the choices in aggro decks if they didn't have to play the Shadowlands? Yes. And we've harped on this many times, so clearly <laughs> yes. the answer is yes. And in particular, I think the Naya color combinations have a lot to gain from getting better mana, both Gruul and Selesnya. There is Naya Winota around right now, and I do think that deck is good. It's not a deck we talked about in the segment. There's a you saw a few in the top 16s of those tournaments, but none of them made the top eight. But I think that deck is good. Um, it is you know the mana base is not great in that deck, but it, it it's workable. Um, I think in particular Gruul and Selesnya just have very bad mana bases and would be helped out so much. And I would like to see those decks be decks. Lands. Yeah, I'd like to see those decks have their chance right like we've seen gruel be good in historic like maybe it could be good in pioneer the man just i just don't think there's ever been something like a real advantage to having unbalanced mana when it comes to different color combinations like you know years ago there used to be like the you know the idea was that friendly colors were it was easier to work with them than enemy colors i think at this point that idea should get thrown out the window you know people identify with all 10 of the different ravnica guilds basically post ravnica once you make them all a thing at one time, like just start treating them equally, um, and and they all have an identity, and, and people like all of them. So, you know, just treat them the same and give them the right mana bases because there are still going to be decks that play, you know, Glacial Fortress and, and uh, the the Buddy Lands. There probably won't be decks that play Shadowlands after a while. Sometimes you see battle lands happen. That's usually in fetch land formats. So like one battle land, if you need to get a duel that's untapped and that doesn't cost you life, um, you see it in like the Blue White Miracles deck in Modern. So probably not so much in Pioneer, but those lands fucking suck. Like just <laughs> Prairie Stream is a joke. Mana. Like there's a reason that the best decks have skewed very heavily towards those color combinations. They get to play the good lands, you know. Mana is the fundamental aspect of magic, and so that's going to have a huge impact. Like, Demir Inverter really was the exception, and it was important that that was a deck that really wanted, really was happy playing the Checkland, uh, Drown Catacomb, and was very happy playing Fable Passage because of Dig Through Time. So that functioned as another dual land that, you know, frequently was untapped, and 
uh, also worked well with Dry Catacomb. So, you know, there were some exceptions there that led to it not really needing the uh, the portent, the Shadowland, although the list did still play them. Uh, so I uh, just give them good mana. You know, you I would like to see both Painlands and Fastlands, but uh, just to just to balance it out, I just want you know, just want the col- the access to colored mana should just be balanced. Just the symmetry alone, just for the symmetry alone. Like let's just yeah, like a green gets extra mana fixing that that's well known. But like when it comes to dual land cycles, just ten. None of these five land cycles. It's horseshit. And there was another question. I forgot who it was who actually asked it, but I saw it in the chat. It's like in the general chat river, I believe. And I just wanted to ask this one because it was a good, good, uh, good question. What is your go-to birthday meal? And for this one, I don't have a great answer, but I think it's a good question because I don't have, you know, a specific meal that I want to go on my birthday. I basically just decide, like, what do I want that day? Like, I don't plan in advance. I just wake up and be like, what do I want today? And I get that thing. And uh, I did, you know, last year it, it fell on a Thursday and we have a nice little Thursday routine if we want to go out in Roanoke, especially since Corey's been here. And we're, oh, I'm going to be so happy the next time we get to do that. And it's on a Thursday, we'll get out of Versus. And if we want to be really degen, sometimes we skip this first step. But if we want to be really degen, we go to Three Notched. It's one of our favorite breweries that has a tap room here. And they tap a new beer every Thursday at 6. And the brewer will come in and do a spiel about it. And they give everybody a free taster. He's in the bar. In the bar. And we'll have, you know, we'll get there at like 5, maybe 5.30. We'll have a beer or two. Then we'll listen to their spiel, have the taster. If it's good, we'll probably have one of those. And then we head over to Martin's once we're done there. And on on Thursday at Martin's, it's Taco Thursday, which is weird, but it is. Uh, and they have a separate, you know, they don't have the taco menu outside of Thursdays. It's just there. Uh, and they're, you know, they're good, big tacos. That's where we have dinner. We have Taco Thursday at Martin's. That They have music all the time. We'll stay and listen to the first part of the musical act. And then about 10, 1030, when karaoke starts, we'll head over to the karaoke bar. This is all downtown Roanoke. And we'll karaoke, you know, that stops at one. If you need to leave early, you can. But we'll be there till one. And whoever's there at the end of the night, Jack Brown's is open until two when they stop serving uh, alcohol by law. And we'll wound wind down the night at Jack Brown's. If you're hungry again, you can get some more food there. Get one last drink. And then the night's over. It's a lot of drinking, but it's a super fun night. And, uh... Where was I going with this? Oh, that was the birthday meal. So my my birthday fell on a Thursday, so we did that. And we actually, I added an extra stop. After dinner, I stopped at uh, dinner a little bit before nine so that we could go to Fortunato, or Stellina actually, the, and get dessert and a cocktail there uh, b- between the hours of nine and 10. So that that was my, you know, you know add, add that in to make it even extra special for my birthday. Um, I, I remember right before I went vegetarian because I started sort of the beginning of the year for my birthday. Uh, my mom sent me a pressure cooker and those are like, fun. Oh, I'm going to make a, an awesome meal with this pressure cooker for my birthday. And I made uh chili verde. It's a pork Oof. shoulder, Oof. Uh, you know, cooked tender. And I, I bought the, all the fresh peppers and I roasted them on the, on, you know, at home and peeled them and made the sauce entirely from scratch it literally t- it took me hours to make yeah, this. It was real good, I bet. It was fantastic. Um, for me, uh, I mean, my favorite meal in the world, I got it every year on my birthday when I was in Vegas, is uh, Crispy Duck Penang from Lotus of Siam. Um, lately, uh, it's been 
my mother-in-law will cook me what's called mariscada. And it is, um, it's like this dish that you put up on, um, I have no idea what, the, what you call this dish, but it's like this big deep dish that you cook things that you cook them in. And you put like champagne, butter, and some other stuff I'm in it. Like you had me a champagne. Yeah. And you melt all that into there or wine. Maybe I'm sorry. It's probably wine and butter. And then, um, I don't know why I said champagne, champagne. is a kind of wine. Yeah, I don't know why I said that, but it's, it's more cooking wine or whatever, or you could just use a shard, you know, whatever. Anyway, wine, butter. And the ingredients are usually, um, the things that are in there are scallops, shrimp, crab claws, like crab legs, like, you know, full crab, um, lobster, and I'm missing something. I forgot what else. And there's like herbs and stuff in it too. And you cook it all together. Right. And so like all the juices get absorbed into everything. And then you get a nice piece of like French bread with it. And you cut up the French bread to kind of like absorb all the juice and stuff. When she makes this Ross, I eat so much food. I do not wear a belt and I will not wear pants that have a button on them. I show up in sweats. I used to get made fun of this for holidays and people figured out that I was just smart. Like when Thanksgiving comes around, I wear the stretchy pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, those are those are my meals. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I kind of have like a, a thing lately. I've been in this big pasta kick lately. I've been just crushing pasta lately. So I don't know. Um, I'm actually going to be cooking a lot of pasta in the next week. The two the two big meals I have planned to make are eggplant parm and like really good mac and cheese where you make the bechamel and you melt the cheese into it and make the when, are you, when are you doing this because uh <laughs> i uh i've been planning to drive up there sometime so soon. W- one of them is going to be made tomorrow all right well i'm gonna start packing the other one will be made once i finish the first one <laughs> all right russ when, when i start knocking on your door i don't want to hear anything and it'll probably be the eggplant parm first because i've already bought the eggplant i got it all yesterday so i want to use the produce as quickly as i can the cheese will keep yeah, yeah, make sure you do that. Anytime you get produce, cook it as quickly as yeah. possible or whatever. Plus, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how much cheese I'm going to use in the eggplant parm, and I'm more clear with how much cheese I want to use in the mac and cheese. So if I use a little bit too much, I can buy some more before I make the mac. So, yeah, eggplant parm first. I've been craving eggplant parm for a while. I made it probably like a year ago. And it's like it's a little labor-intensive, but it's pretty easy, and it's super delicious. Big thing is you got, you got to uh, – when you, you slice the eggplant – and in order to make the final product actually delicious and not just too watery, because there's a lot of water in the eggplant, you got to draw some of that out. So you just uh, you lay out the sliced eggplant and salt it, and just let it sit and let the salt draw out the moisture. Um, so th- there's just that, and then you know, then you got to fry the individual slices of eggplant. So you got to dredge and fry them, and then you got to you know assemble everything in the casserole dish. You know, it, it takes us all two hours probably. All right. I haven't really had dinner. I am freaking starving now after this conversation. So let's get let's wrap this one up, Ross. If people wanted to hear more about magic from you, hear more about food from you, anything like that, where would they go? First things first is my Twitter account, which is at Ross Hunneds, H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, that's your one-stop shop for all of the different stuff I do um, and a good place to ask me questions about basically anything. Then there is my written content for StarCityGames.com. That goes up Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. This week's article, as I mentioned during the show, is all about spirits. So if you want you know, more of that conversation and more details on my thoughts there, you can uh, read my article on Star City Games. Appreciate support there. Then there is my video content for Star City Games, which is a Versus Live, the show I co-host with Corey Baumeister. That is twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern. We play any competitive format we think is relevant, matchups we think are relevant. We have a good time with it. We answer questions straight from the audience. 
And uh, if you cannot catch us live, those do go onto the Star City Games YouTube channel the next day at 5 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, 30 hours later, uh, or I guess 26 hours, uh, no, 25 hours. Uh, Jesus, I just can't do math. So uh, 25 hours later, they're up, uh, and you can find them there. Then there is my stream. I am twitch.tv slash Ross Miriam, right? Uh, Ross underscore Miriam. Yeah, Ross underscore Miriam. Sorry. Uh, I kind of forgot there for a second. Uh, You know, I stream over the weekends mainly, usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think I officially get get 10% now. I think I just became your manager. I'll give you 1%. Mm, 10. All right, 5 it is. 1. Five it is. You point five. All right, one. <laughs> point five. It's I, want, I want my damn check. <laughs> I want I'm going to send you a 10.99 too, though. I want that $4.57 or whatever it is, buddy. I'm sending you a 10.99. You better report that on your taxes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so I stream mainly weekends. Usually Friday is like my prep day where these are the decks I like and I'll play through them and then we'll decide on a list at the end of the show or at least decide on a deck. Then, you know, Saturdays have been mainly doing the SCG Tour events online. Sunday is usually a challenge of some kind, maybe PTQ if it's going on on MTGO. Uh, you know, play a variety of formats, but it's all Magic-focused. Um, and appreciate all the support on my stream. Tannen, if people wanted to hear more of your thoughts about dueling showerheads, where would they go? <laughs> all right, uh, probably the best place for that would be Twitter. It's at the Tannen Grace. I do have a Twitch. It's just Tannen Grace. Um... Haven't been super active on it the last couple of weeks, but uh, there's some stuff coming soon. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be starting streaming again. I know I've been saying that for a while, so we'll see if it. I'm just going to do like the Ross yeah. Merriam thing. How the table turns. All the turntables. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's there's stuff there. Um, for the cast itself, if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, it's just at Cast Pioneer. We'd really appreciate that. We've actually been getting a ton of followers again recently. We've seen a, like a, a big projector a trajectory of an upward swing here. So. Nice to see some growth again on the channel. A lot of people joining the Discord, which there's a link on that Twitter if you want to join the Discord. I'm a big fan. Uh, big shout out to one of my favorite people on the Discord, by the way, Yeoman5. Um, he had to skip writing his article this week, and I haven't seen as much stuff in the Discord as I normally like to from him because he's about to get married. Congratulations, Yeoman. Everybody at the show here, uh, we'll send your congratulations, and I wish you a long and happy life with your wife. Um, keep the food pictures coming, please, especially if you do anything cool with the, with the honeymoon. Um like I said, lots of cool things going on in the Discord. Lots of magic talks. Lots of non-magic talks. You want to talk about sports, video games, music, pets, food? Got that in there, too. It's a good representation of the show, honestly, Ross. How did we get through this entire show without talking about sports at all? Uh, the I, the I NBA did on, season ends t- regular season ends tomorrow. I did that on purpose because we'll do it next show, and I was going to let you like go off on it. Well, the Jazz, are they play their first playoff game up Monday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. They're playing Denver, which are like two of the smallest media markets in the entire league, and they're right near each other. So they're going to get the worst TV times. Can, can we just get a petition to get the Suns in the playoffs, please? Well, I don't know if you know this, but they might have a shot still. Oh, because, I thought they were going to not make it in, even though they went 8-0. So here's what was happening. There were, you have to be ninth, and, and ninth had to be within four games of eighth, but that's going to happen. Uh, but the the eighth and ninth place teams are going to have a play-in for the last playoff spot. The ninth place team has to win two games in a row. If the eighth place team wins a game, they're in, right? And Phoenix, which wrapped up their their bubble 8-0 today, uh, is was then, because of the result of that match, tied with three other teams, or with two other teams, and it was Memphis and Portland. Uh, but Portland still had a game to play 
because every team just played eight games in the bubble. And obviously when the season, you know, was suspended, teams had played a different number of games because the schedule isn't perfectly even all the entire time. And so Portland had just played an extra game. And so if they win their last game, they're now a half game ahead and they get into that play-in game with Memphis. Um, And Portland right now, they're playing Brooklyn, who's a team that is out of the playoffs, has nothing to play for, and is missing many of their best players due to injury. A lot of them didn't even go into the bubble. And right now, there's three minutes and 17 seconds left in the game, according to ESPN, and Brooklyn is up by four. So if Portland loses this game, Phoenix gets to play Memphis. They're they're in the ninth spot. they got to win two games. But Memphis has been bad in the bubble. Their second-best player is injured and not playing, Justin Jackson. Uh, and Phoenix looks great and is a more experienced team, actually. They've got some vets that they added over the last offseason. Ricky Rubio among them. You know, Devin Booker is great. Uh, and Memphis is a really young team. So, you, you know, winning two games in a row in any spot is hard, but they can definitely do it. Um, you know, but Portland, if Portland wins this game, then Phoenix is eliminated. So I, t- I literally messaged our group chat, uh, you yeah, know, those of us in Roanoke, that Portland was going to win by 30. Because I just assumed Brooklyn wasn't going to try, but I'm thinking that like these people just are relishing the opportunity to play spoiler to Portland. Yeah, but they still have Dame, and Dame is currently eight for fourteen from three and has thirty nine points. Uh, I just saw a highlight where he literally just pulled. Up, he was like walked down the court and pulled up from half court and just nailed it. Yeah, it was what it went off the heel and yeah. then bounced up and dropped through. No, he did it again and he just made the next one open a net. I think. Yeah. Did you know that that was to get to sixty one points on the game? He has 61 points right now? No, that was the previous game. Oh, okay. He has, he has 40 right now. He just got a free throw, so they're down three. If he gets to 44, he'll be at thirty, an average of 30 points for the season, and I think he'll get there easily because he's going to have the ball every offensive possession for these last three minutes, um, and he's been crushing them because he's fucking Dame Lillard. He's unbelievably fucking good. <laughs> gotcha. All right, kind of back to what we were doing here. We're, we're, I, I, I'm so hungry, Ross. I, let me let me let the show end, please. I'm so hungry. Well, Dame Lillard is eating. Why aren't you? Ross, shut up. <laughs> but it's game time. It is Dame time. It's about Dame time. I go get some food. It's Dame time. Um, and so we talked about the Discord, and then there's the last thing that we have to talk about. We do have a Patreon, and we appreciate each and every one of you that uh, helps financially support the show. Again, we we appreciate everyone at home that listens, watches, supports us in any way, shape, or form. But we have a very special thank you for our Patreons. Um, we did want to mention the assist to Nurkic after making up, all three free up. throws. Portland up one. Shut up. Two and a half to play. All right. Anyway. Uh, the big thing I want to talk about is uh, you may have heard one of the exclusive things that the the patrons get the the patrons get is they get a patron exclusive episode. Uh, we've we've did one about what six weeks ago I think is what it was, uh, just about six weeks ago, and I think it just went live for everybody else. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check it out so you can see what you're missing. And Ross and I should be recording one of those in about a week or two. So if you're in the Patreon, if you were one of our patrons, check it out in the Discord. We have that section in there for you to start writing questions. Start getting at it. We we need that because uh, we want the episode to be what you want to hear about. What you want to talk about? Because look, we could talk about the NBA the entire time. I'll talk about Major League Baseball the entire time, but I want to hear what y'all want to hear. So let's make sure we uh, we get y'all involved and we can do what we want and what you want on that episode. Anyway, thanks for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more cool pioneer stuff. Bye.